my sexy unicorns before we get knee deep into another episode of White Heat. Just want to talk to you once again about our great sponsor, Mohawk Honda, located on Freeman's Bridge Road in the Scotia Glenville area of upstate New York, where they always go out of their way to please you. You know, we've been talking about how it's been trading season. Uh, going on really throughout the summer, really honestly, since post-pandemic, now that people are working regularly again and getting that income, you know, they're they're starting to think again about the big picture with regards to their families and their investments. And of course, one of those would be your vehicle. I know that my wife and I were, were kind of talking back and forth about trading in just her car or trading in both of our vehicles to potentially get a vehicle, a newer vehicle ourselves. And, you know, you talk to these these little rinky-dink dealerships in the corner of, you know, Know uh, Your Roll Boulevard and Jabroni Drive. You know, they're, they're going to be willing to take your, your car and give you money. That's great. But their inventory sucks ass. So what are you going to do then? Well, you don't have to worry about that at Mohawk Conda because not only will they give you top dollar for your trade-in, they have tons and tons of inventory for you to choose from. The largest inventory of vehicles, in fact, in the capital region, which means you can choose the one that's right for you. Yeah, some dealers are talking about their values and and all that jazz, but really, Mohawk Honda, they want to show you a great value in selection, and most importantly, how they value you as a customer and how they treat you at Mohawk Honda. Don't feel pressure into buying something from another dealer because that's the best that they can do, and then leave yourself in a rut with no vehicle and having to shop at a different lot for a vehicle. Go to your one-stop shop at Mohawk Honda and buy the vehicle you deserve with their vast selection of certified pre-owned vehicles guaranteed to fit your needs and your lifestyle, not the values and needs of those other dealers. So this summer, selection is king, and no one has more to choose from the Mohawk Honda Freeman's Bridge Road in the Scotia Glenville area of the Capital District of upstate New York, where they always go out of their way to please you. And with that being said, we have the... Uh, was this nation of domination entrance for uh, for Mr. JJ Alexander here? What what we got going on here? No, the SmackDown fist. Yeah, that too. It works that way as well. Uh, <laughs> welcome to episode nine of White Heat, uh, presented by Godzilla Media. I and thought I this was episode mention, ten. Is it ten? Yes. 10, nine. I'll go back and look at the books. It might be 10. I don't know. My brain is fried from this week from all the baseball I was calling. And it's only going to be Friday more next week with two doubleheaders in one week. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm Brian Katie. That's JJ Alexander. Let me uh, get the, the socials going on the bottom. Yeah, our Twitters. It's simple for me. It's my name all is one at Brian Katie, B-R-I-A-N-C-A-D-Y. In fact, I feel like I, I should probably do something at some point. You know, I'm not going to do it for today's episode, but at some point, I should just put my full name in the banner underneath my face, just just for shits and giggles. Anyways, uh, his Twitter handle is also simple. It's his name with an underscore in the middle, at JJ underscore Alexander. If you fuck that up, I can't help you. I'm sorry. Um, and if you have any emails you want to send in, you know, long-form arguments, questions, topics you'd like to see us debate on the show, uh, it's mind name. Brian.Katie at GodzillaMedia.com. And if you're watching this on the YouTube, again, scroll on the bottom of the screen. Uh, if you're chilling with us on uh, Spotify or Apple or Google Play, um, just check the show description. I always put the socials and the, the email contact in there in the description. That being said, 
it's been a pretty goddamn wild week of news and rumors and shit like that and uh, and and arguments between journalists and, and, and podcast hosts and for fuck's yeah. sake, what a week. Um, but on the, I, I see you have a beer so I can see the kind of week you've been having or at least the kind of day you've been having. Uh, how, you doing? <laughs> how you doing good, sir? Uh, let's see. I have officially been awake since 7 a.m. yesterday. You haven't slept at all in the last day and nope. a half? Nope. Do I want to fucking know why? It, just a combination of stress, pain, yada, yada, yada. And so that's why as soon as we are done with this, coupled with my drinking, I am going to take a nap, which is why I am stocked up with my alcohol roll call. I am already starting off with a two evil 13 uh, 13 months of sun. It is a hazy IPA with coffee. And then I have as a backup, good old PBR. And then have und, 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 und backs. Well, uh, it's not alcohol, although it looks clear like vodka. But uh, I'll cheers to that with your with the water right here. So yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, there's a lot of different places we could go to start off this show. Yeah. Um, I I'm really stuck on where I want to go. Well, I think I think the easiest way to go about this is we should just start off with the immense craziness that seems to be going on right now. Um, involving talent, making appearances at this place, not making appearances here, talks about people going to certain places, not going to certain places, a lot of crazy shit going on. Um, The oldest out of the list of shit I have, because it is literally, it is a list, it's not a like, it's not a list like Santa, but it's a fucking list. Um, So, Let's start with Impact, the most depressing brand that we can talk about to, to begin. Yeah. So Impact had it. had three talents show up. I believe it was Slammiversary this past weekend. Uh-huh. And uh and since then. So three talents showed up. Mm-hmm. And I need I, I need you to tell me which one which one of these things is not like the other two. It's actually um, four talents that showed up. Well, you can add the fourth thing because I have three listed. Okay. Um, the three I have listed are Aiden English, No Way Jose, who is not using that name. I'm not sure what Aiden English is going under. I'm assuming it's Matt something. I don't know. Or Matthew. I don't know. Uh, and the last one is Jay White. Uh, which one of these things is not like the other two? So no Way Jose. I was going to go with Jay White because, you know, he actually has done something in his career. But anyways. Because um, yeah. he also had... Thunder Rosa and Mickey James show up. Well, Mickey, I'd say Mickey was a bigger surprise than Thunder and Rosa. Thunder Rosa has been fucking going everywhere. Mickey, I thought was going to be solely devoted to NWA, but because of the women's event she's putting on now, she's just kind of popping up wherever she wants to invite women into that Empower event that she's doing. And the impact right before Slammiversary, Steve COVID Overbite showed up. Steve COVID overbite. Fucking the, the forgotten sons. I got the fucking girl. He was, he was oh, Steve Cutler. Cutler? Yeah. No, he's something. Yeah. Steve, Steve COVID overbite. Yeah. Gotcha. He got fired because of fucking violating the COVID precautions. He's got a giant overbite. Titus. <laughs> 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 
Oh, and there was another talent that I didn't even think of who also showed up, but it was the most obvious one out of the bunch because A, it involved her, it was a match involving her fiance, and then B, when she came out on Impact this past week, uh, she came out also during a segment involving her fiance, and that'd be Chelsea Green. So, like, yeah, a, a lot, like, some were, you know, some were expected, some were unexpected. Um, you know, there's nothing really to break down as far as booking because I don't really think the only the only two people that I think we ex, we would expect anything booking wise um, in the immediate future that would be halfway interesting would be because Thunder Rosa is signed to AEW, so I think Thunder Rosa is going to have more to do there than Impact because yeah. Impact is just now Impact is starting to get to a point where. Um, they're getting to a point where almost like where Monday Night Raw and even NXT are, where they have too many women. Yeah. It's starting to get to that point where it's like you have so many women that um, half of them are going to be sitting and catering the whole show. Um, so, Sarah Hogan just finished with them. She's done. She'll probably be an NWA talent or or AEW, but I I, I just don't I don't think WWE. I'm not to say she's not worthy of getting to WWE. I just don't see her as a talent that they would pursue, yeah, and no. she'd more fall in the line with NWA or AEW if she right. wants to continue the national trend. That right. all being said, I think Chelsea Green just fall just because of what's going on with Matt, with uh, her fiance Matt Cardona. I mean, she just naturally falls in the line with whatever he's doing, and obviously Jay White just because of whatever the fuck they're going to do with him and Omega um, or so- him and. The former Bullet Club people in general. So I watched Impact last night and they had, they're doing like two storylines with Jay White. They're doing one where he wants to face Dave Finley for some reason. And also on top of that, he confronted uh, Good Brothers and Omega. Good Brothers and Omega. And they had the stare down and White said, like, the last time you you faced me, I beat you and shit. So it looks like they – see, here's where it's it's hard to determine. Because Impact brought in Jay White, not AEW. Right. And AEW keeps claiming to have this relationship with Impact, yet the only Impact people you see on AEW are Anderson and Gallows. Right. That's it. If they're going to do this old Bullet Club versus new Bullet Club shit, I, uh, you know AEW is going to want to do it, but Impact deserves it more. But then Just here's... Because it's neutral ground. Here lies the problem, though. Yeah. Which I don't... I personally wouldn't give a shit. More than half... If my math's correct... Well, first off, let me ask you this question. With the Dave Finley side of it, yeah, Dave is still – he was never Bullet Club, if I remember correctly. No, no. It, that has nothing to do with Bullet Club. That's okay. just for some reason. Right. That's just a one-off thing. It has to do with yeah, something or other. Right. Um, which is funny because when Dave – who did Dave win the tag titles with before they lost? Oh, that was same, same Juice Robinson. Same person. Okay. Still- All right. 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 Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I forgot. Why, why is Juice? Wow. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, Juice. You deserve more respect than that with me forgetting you. I'm. I'm so sorry. Um. 
But here, here lies the, the other side of the coin, though. <sighs> Technically, if you're going to go old Bullet Club versus new Bullet Club, um, Hikulio is coming in for AEW next week to face Archer for the U.S. title. Oh, Hookie Lab? Yeah. So um, that's going to be in Charlotte. But, a, but that aside, there, if you do an old Bull Club versus... That I want to talk about, but yeah. Go right. Ahead. So old Bull Club versus new Bull Club, if that's really what they're going for, I have this weird feeling that it's going to get completely fucked up, and here's why. I have this awkward feeling they're going to try to stretch it between both brands. Mm-hmm. Because think of AEW's roster... Of Bullet Club Infusion. Now, I don't think Hamming Page would get involved in it because technically he's, he's a, right. So eliminate him, you still have Omega. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Cody can strike for now too because he's anti elite right now. But you still have Kenny. Um, well, Kenny's right over there. So you still have the Bucks to start yeah. off. And because of their position within the company of AEW, along with Cody, who was a Bullet Club guy at one point, mm-hmm. I think you're going to see them push for the angle to cross both companies, which is fucking dumb, yep. but I think you're going to see that happen. I hate it. Um, I mean, which then let's, means, go, let's, let's go with just, spade a spade. This is NWO Hollywood versus NWO Wolfpack. Correct. Correct. Which no one wanted the first time. So, now on the other side of it, New Bullet Club. Now, again, it's been a little while since I've watched New Japan in depth. But from what I remember, we're talking potentially Jay White, Kenta, um, Haiku, Haiku Leo, um, Haku's son. Um, we're talking G.O.D. We're talking yep. um, Bad Luck Fale. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I forget anything. I mean, obviously, they still they still have Ishimori and El Phantasmo, correct? I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm checking my source. So, so that's, that's like a legitimate seven, eight guys. So it can it can be an even playing field. Okay. Um, current members, current members, I've got it. Okay, current members: uh, Bad Luck Fale, Chase Owens, Dick Togo, Phantasmo, Evil, Gato, Pookie Lau, Jado, Jay White, Kenta, Ishimori, uh, God, and uh, Yujiro Takahashi. Remember when Bullet Club was just all Gaijins? Because that's yeah. what it was supposed to be. Devitt, Fale, and the Good Brothers. Oh, not good. Yeah, the Good Brothers, essentially. Even just every inception up until they brought Kenta in was even. And I fucking because I hate the Bucks. I have nothing. I have nothing good to say about Cody. Like at but least the, still fit the, the mold. The idea of. The Bullet Club was the outsiders of Japan. It was right. the guy chance. Right. 
So, yeah, I mean, I just... I don't know. I don't know what to make of anything involving AEW of, uh, with anything, as particularly when it comes to this impact shit, because, and we talked about this, anything, anything at this point that involves Kenny Omega is just a clusterfuck mentally yeah. to even try to piece together. Um, so it's, like, it's more of just a wait and see thing at this right. point. New Japan's not going to let him fucking grab the never open weight belt right now. They're just not. Correct. Correct. And if they do, it's a fucking shame. They won't. Um, and I'll well, get to. I know they won't. The other part about that later. But yeah. Correct. <laughs> right. So now we go from the focus on Impact slash AEW. Let's go to. I feel like the bigger stories are the bigger. I should say it's really rumors, not stories yet. Uh-huh. They lie in AEW. So we'll save that for a moment. Let's shift mm-hmm. over to WWE because there was a guy who worked a dark match. Yeah, baby. At the first live show back for WWE and then had an online exclusive interview. Yep. So really, we're basically just saying he's back. We're just not putting him on TV yet. And that's Damian Boy Smith Jr. Uh, yes. Harry Smith. Um yeah. Interesting. Um, I mean, I, here's the thing. I always loved the concept of him and TJ Natalia. I love the Hart Dynasty in general back in the day. Was it a little too much too soon? Yes. For Harry, yes. Yes. Um, so I like that Harry was intelligent enough to know that, hey, I know – why this happened. Let me go work on myself. And he went and did Japan and Europe and all that. And now he's a more polished. Yep. He's a more polished product that now understands and um, embraces the size factor of himself. Mm-hmm. Um, potentially, what do you think we could see down the road for him? I see an Intercontinental title run. I agree. I, uh, I see a possibility of him forming a second generation stable that could work depending mm-hmm. on who they get. Right. Yeah, the big qu- the big question would be who? Because that's not something that WWE should just fuck with and go half-assed with. It's something that needs to be thought out and executed properly. If they throw the right, if they throw the right of money out, they could get Brian Pillman Jr. in there. Put Natty back with them, and then from there, just figure shit out. Right. Um. So that's the one. Um. Then on the actual televised SmackDown show, we had. Finn surprise, Finn Balor surprise, and yep. come out on SmackDown. Yep. Um, to me, I mean, given he did it on that show, it was a surprise. But the fact that he returned to either of the main brands didn't shock me because I think you'll agree with me. There wasn't really anything left for him to do once he had the rematch with Cross. Right. There was nowhere else to go. Like there was no point having a an undercard feud with Dunn 
Although yeah. him versus Pete Dunne could have been interesting, or Gargano or Chopper or whoever. Yeah. It was just a point where, okay, you, you went and had fun We're during the pandemic. Now, now yeah. come back, please. And uh, it was good to see Finn back there. Again, I think it's one of those things where it could go one of two ways. It could lead to, like you mentioned with, with uh, Harry, it could be an IC title run. Or an IC title feud because of the fact the belt is on Cruz. Or depending on what happens at SummerSlam, he could get put in the main event picture with Roman Reigns potentially. And 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 maybe maybe him and Rollins are the ones that fight for a number one contender spot. Right. Um so I, that that's also potential in my mind. It anything else really that pops to mind for you? No, I think they'll they'll keep him solid on SmackDown for at least the next year. Um He's definitely viable enough to be able to be put in the main event picture again without an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also that fact of it's it's also the factor of the balance and using, staying healthy, using the demon sparingly and not like, getting hurt. Yeah. yeah, like I wholeheartedly believe that because um, I don't. So I I, remember, I made this prediction a few years ago, and I'm trying to remember the way I worded it. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to treat the demon like they did Taker's streak. In that no one's ever beaten the demon, and they're going to keep it that way. People can beat Finn. But they can't beat the they, demon. Right. When someone actually beats the demon, it's going to be something huge. And if they're smart, they will stay at that course. Which sounds like something you kind of wish they did with Bray Wyatt and the Fiend. Where they yeah. could have beat Bray Wyatt, but they couldn't beat the Fiend. But that's another story for another day. That was... Uh, I know. I know. Uh, I know. The, the, I know. It was, a, it, was a, it was a creative clusterfuck. Yeah. Um, so another thing, and that's something that just popped up in my news feed the last 24 hours... I'm not even sure if you really saw this. Um, reportedly, there are talks about another return to WWE. Would you like to guess who that is? The hint I'll give is he was released in the last 24 months. Oh, you're talking about Braun? Yeah. They gave him new merch. That's why I sent you the screenshots. So... That's brand new merch. I guess my question becomes, what the fuck? Like, was this a case of Braun losing passion and then all of a sudden WWE threw three million at his head? Or is this a case of WWE didn't know what the fuck to do with him and now suddenly, oh, okay, come on back. This is the Mark Henry deal. You got to remember when Mark Henry first came in, they signed him to a fucking insane amount of money. Correct. I remember that. And then when his contract came back up, they said, listen, we're going to keep you on, but you're going to have to take a big-ass pay cut. You're going to have to eat shit for a bit. Mm-hmm. Remember, Braun was on like a $1.25 million a year contract. I think they were like, listen, we're doing budget cuts, but then afterwards they're like, listen, we still want you. Mm-hmm. We can't pay you what that price was in this current atmosphere. 
how about we offer you this and then each year when the year comes up we have a we have a, a renegotiation right pay rate for the following year i believe right. it was a solid that was, that was just like solid business accounting and if you remember back in the uh, the the stories that were told mark henry let's just say was not a very widely accepted member of the locker room in his early days because of that deal yeah um I mean, things are different now than they were in 1995 right? or in 96, whatever it was. Um, right. And the thing is, they're going to be bringing Raquel up to the main roster soon. So he probably, you know, they're going to be like, we'll put you and your girl on the same show. That's fair. That's fair. All right. So now let's shift over to, and we might as well just go right to. The bullshit. Although. The first thing I want to talk about has more to do with the talent merry-go-round topic that we were just talking about. Yeah. But it also transitioned us nicely into our weekly AEWTF segment. Mm-hmm. So, rumor and innuendo is out there, to coin a phrase from Bruce Pritchard. Rumor and innuendo has it this week that not only is AEW finalizing a deal with Brian Danielson, a.k.a. Daniel Bryan, but they're also f- working on finalizing a deal with the voice of the voiceless, Mr. CM Punk. Now, oh, man. Where do I even begin with this? I call bullshit on the whole thing. If, I, if, you, f- if, if you force me to pick bullshit on only one, I'm going to call bullshit more on Danielson. Because I honestly think, number one, there should be no ill will between him and WWE to the point where he would want to go and do this. Right. Um, two, if he feel, if he felt like there was still something left in the tank, I don't think WWE would just say, fuck off, we don't want you. Because he's still a viable talent as far as crowd reactions are concerned, and especially concerned they just went back to live crowds. That's the kind of shit they're looking for. And then three, the Bellas still have connections to WWE, so I don't see what the fuck right. you would do that for. So this is my this is my summation. Sources are saying that AEW signed him and that he's agreed to work dates for Japan, blah, blah, blah. This is what I think is actually happening. I believe that he probably has inked a deal with New Japan for a limited schedule to come in for some dream matches. What I believe is happening is he may have inked that because he lives in Washington State. The flight over to Japan, you know, he can do limited dates for a week here, a week there, and fly back home. Right. What AEW is trying to capitalize on is we're the forbidden door and we have a relationship with New Japan. So if New Japan has Brian Danielson, that means we have Ryan Danielson. Which no. is the dumbest fucking logic in the world to you. But I guarantee that's where all this bullshit is coming from. Oh, Tony. Tony, Tony, Tony. Now, Vince's dick. On the Tony, on Tony, on the CM Punk side of things. Nope. His oh, I'm not. I'm not saying he's going there either. 
my whole concept is the only reason I am not putting a hundred percent no on this is because very slowly and somewhat gradually he has softened his stance about getting back in the ring over the years. He's yeah. gone from being jaded and saying never again because he was a pissed off motherfucker when he left WWE. Yeah. And he's slowly been softening his stance gradually, especially because I think it's also been compounded by the, I think we can all agree, failed MMA experiment that he did. Um, I mean, he tried. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean trust me. I, I mean, listen, Batista tried and failed more miserably than he did, in my opinion. That's whatever. At least Punk was willing to get in there a second time, but he said, fuck this shit and left after one. Um, so, but I'm still not fully convinced he'll ever get back in the ring, especially on a full-time schedule. If he were, I agree it's kind of more on the basis of what you're saying would be the structure of Brian's deal, which is limited dates yeah. and special appearances. Um, but honestly, here's the main reason I don't see it. He's doing quite fine for himself doing random indie acting shit and comic yeah. book shit. He yeah. doesn't need wrestling like he, he probably felt like he needed it five to ten years ago. Right. He's become exposed to other avenues of income that don't require taking a beating four nights out of the week and right. traveling another day and a half out of the week. Exactly. It's just, it's easier on the body and mind, and it's probably nicer to be around your wife five days a week than a day and a half a week. Right. Yeah, so here's my whole thing. You're talking, everyone's saying that, oh, Punk signed with AEW. Uh, everyone seems to have a goldfish memory, and I remember, what was it, just a year ago, I think? Punk they punk they asked Punk about going to work for AEW and he's like, Yeah, the Young Bucks fucking sent me a text like you want to come work for us, LOL. And he's like, I'm not gonna take that shit seriously. You want me to come work for you, you contact my fucking agent, you contact my lawyer, we have a sit down and we have a negotiation. You don't send me a fucking text message. And he was pretty adamant about that shit. Mm -hmm. I don't see how that could have changed. No, I agree. And he's very jaded towards Vince. Um, I mean, like, I mean, he came. Let's face it; it was he was under contract to Fox, but he came back for the fucking WWE backstage show because Fox gave him money. Oh, go ahead. I want to step in and say something towards. Okay. Um, I don't think he's cheated toward Vince specifically. I think, I mean, th again, this is based on the narrative he put out there within weeks of leaving the company. I think his anger and resentment is a lot more towards Paul than Vince. And I was going to touch on that. So, if Vince would be would it be the one that Coleman say, "Hey, pal." How do you feel about making a special appearance at SummerSlam? He'd be a lot more willing to think about it coming from him than if Paul said, hey, guy, it's Hunter. Uh, listen, you want to come in for SummerSlam for a special appearance? I think he'd be a lot more willing to think about it if it came from McMahon than Hunter. 
and you see here's where I actually had a uh, I, I actually had a point that I, I wanted to make on that because um, you remember you know obviously the pipe bomb promo the, the anniversary just happened right um, and he was like and during that he was just like I hope that this company would be better after McMahon shuffles off but he's going to leave it to his doofus son-in-law yada yada however after that was when Hunter went gung-ho and made NXT what it is now. Right. Hunter is a different person. Hunter, when he stepped into that role, was the one who was able to facilitate Vince and Bruno talking again. Hunter has become a more personable individual. And I believe that... If if Punk is looking at coming back, I believe that it could have very well been Hunter saying, listen, I was a fucking dick to you back then. Mm -hmm. But if you look at what I've been producing, because obviously you, I've seen your words on the, on the main roster, and I agree with you. But look at what I've been working on. I obviously want this business to thrive mm -hmm. after Vince is gone. I'm sorry. I would really like your help. I could very well see Punk coming in as a trainer in NXT, as a coach, as a commentator, because he did some bang-up commentary when he was working there. Mm -hmm. And just to stick it up their ass and to stick it up Vince's ass, have him show up on NXT. Well, we can agree on one thing in what you said to start off. Yeah. Um, if and when and however he does return, there has to be that heart to heart between him and, and Hunter. Right. Like that. It, it's just it's a necessary evil. Um. Number one. Number two. Part of what you just said, as far as how he could return, is intriguing. Because if you want to go the angle of out-of-the-ring contributor, you could logically shift Wade Barrett to the NXT UK booth with Nigel McGuinness and, yep. forgive me for not knowing the play-by-play -play guy, but you could easily shift him and make that a three-man booth on NXT UK yep. and shift Punk in with Beth Phoenix and Vic Joseph. Yep. Um, Because... As much as I appreciate the work of Wade on NXT, I think Punk could just as easily slide in and do just as good of a job, yep. especially when it comes to um, praising and raising the level of the heels like Barrett tends to do. Uh -huh. um, so I do like that. I also like the idea of, and this will we'll get into a little more in depth when we get through this AEW side of things. I know it kind of shifted WWE, but bear with us. It's CM Punk related, so whatever. Yeah. Um, another angle I could see based on the current booking. Now, again, this would rely on Punk coming in pretty soon, so there's no... I'm just saying, the way the current landscape is on NXT, if that's the direction they were to go, the way they are currently creatively laying out this whole cross Joe Regal thing, 
could have opened up a door potentially. Again, this is not saying that Punk suddenly shows up at TakeOver the day after SummerSlam. Right. But if it were to happen in the very near future, that could open the door to them saying, thank you, Joe, but no thank you. Or if they're really going to do this, even though you're adamant he's not going to get cleared, allowing a Joe cross match. And then yeah. Joe is sent packing and Punk works in the role that Joe had. But again, that's all hypothetical and not even going to be close to happening because there's no way Punk is showing up within the next 30 days. So spoiler alert, they're doing Cross versus Joe at TakeOver because they taped the next two weeks of NXT. I did hear, because you mentioned that, I did hear they had to retape a Cross promo, by the way. Yeah. Because we kept yelling Hardy at him, which we'll get to because fucking Christ almighty. And here's, here's just one other thing. And this is just... This is fantasy indie booking for the sake of fuckery. So I'm not like saying like this could viably happen. Which but, is kind of where I was just going with that whole NXT right. theory. But go ahead. Well, just imagine this because I feel like because apparently Joe is going to be cleared. And obviously they want Cross to go to the main roster. That means he's going to have to do business on the way out. But imagine the fucking episode of NXT the fucking two nights after takeover where Joe's in the ring and then boom punk shows up in the CWC and we set up punk Joe four 15 years later. And I was never a fan of the original three matches, but Hey, it's a strong hypothetical. Yeah. I have another hypothetical. Uh, it's a hypothetical I wouldn't want to see because I want to see it happen a different way. Hypothetically. Yeah. Joe wins. Mm -hmm. I know you're going to hate this idea. But it's another way of going the surprise route. Yeah. Joe wins. He's wiped out, exhausted. Biggie catches to that Joe. Brings back the five count. <laughs> I know it sounds stupid. I mean, but hey, in a way, it makes sense. I, I thought for, I thought for it. Now, honestly, I don't think that's going to happen. I think if it happens no. anytime in the very near future, it's going to be. Goldberg beating Lashley or vice versa, and then he cashes in after oh, yeah. the match on SummerSlam. Yeah. But yeah. anyways, let's get back onto the focus here, which is AEWTF yeah. for the week. Um, so before we go into actual Dynamite, the one last thing that I want to point out mm -hmm. about the rumors of Danielson and Punk going to AEW, because I've heard it a lot of people like, oh, if they get Danielson and Punk, it's game over. Let me tell you a little something. Jesus Christ. WCW brought in Hulk fucking Hogan and Macho Man Randy fucking Savage. Not to mention fucking Brutus Beefcake, fucking, uh, fucking Paul Orndorff, all them. And it didn't do shit for WCW. They brought in Hall and Nash, and then the ratings flip happened because there was the shock of Hogan turning heel. It, Hogan was already fucking there and he was stale. 
having two people show up on your show is not going to automatically triple your fucking viewers. Mm -hmm. WWE, different story. Because if they're a WWE like personality that people know and they show back up, yes, you see a bump in the ratings. Is it huge? No, we saw we we've seen what has happened, but there's still a bump in the ratings. AEW seems to think that you know Tony Khan just like flip out the checkbook, try to side these fucking former WWE guys that were also indie darlings back in the day. And all of a sudden, he's going to be getting fucking 4 million viewers a week. And it's not going to fucking happen. Punk and Danielson could show up on Dynamite this week. And they'll draw 1.2 million viewers. And then the week after that, they'll be back down to 800,000. Okay. I'm not going to disagree. I think uh, if people have been take, paying attention to this podcast long enough, they'll know that you and I... Um, Depending on the topic, one of us may have louder opinions than the other, but generally speaking, our opinions usually match up, so that's yeah. that. Yeah. Um, all right, so to focus on AEW again real quick, I think I need to set the record straight for everybody. And the gentleman I'm about to bring up has even said this himself on Twitter. So let me reiterate what this gentleman has been saying on Twitter today. Nick Gage is not a long-term signing for AEW. Let's get out of the fucking way. Number one, number number one, as much as I respect what Nick Gage does for his brand of wrestling, there's no room for that on a regular week-to-week basis on um, cable television. Uh, dude, if you haven't noticed, Dynamite's had a fucking hardcore or no DQ match every week for the past fucking, like, four months. Right. <laughs> but there's no room... There's no room for his brand of wrestling on cable television on a regular week-to-week basis. Let's just put that out there, number one. That's not me saying that it's... that it's a bad brand of wrestling. Everyone has their niche. Every fan base has their niche. So just because you like it doesn't mean everybody doesn't like it. But for the cable TV audience and the corporate sponsors, it's not going to work. Number one. (laughs) Number two, do you really think if Nick was going to stay long term, he was going to side with somebody like MJ fucking F? I mean, let's just be real. Let's just be real. Seriously. Number three. Nick has even said himself he can't fucking stand MJF. He's only doing it for the one-off because what the fuck? Why not? Plus, what what you also got to think about is him doing this one-off shot in AEW isn't just about Nick Gage. It's about the fucking company he represents, GCW. And you don't think that part of the reason he accepted this is because he knew the first time he'd be in front of a camera was right before the weekend of his Cardona match when he's trying to sell pay-per-view buys on Fight TV, motherfuckers? Yep. It's about the money. It's about the buys. He'll give a fuck about MJF. He'll give a fuck about AEW. 
I'm gonna be he honest. He doesn't fuck about the person he's in the ring with usually. Right. He doesn't give a fuck about it being Jericho in the ring. You, you could have put Abdullah the fucking butcher in front of him in his prime. He still wouldn't give a shit. He'd be like, you fat shit, I'm gonna fuck you up and stab you with a knife. Like, he wouldn't fucking care. Alright? So, let's just be real. Gage is not long-term. It's a one-off. I think it's hokey as fuck that Jericho's gonna be the pain maker, because honestly, oh, unless God. you were an avid NG, an avid New Japan fan, you don't know even you know what the fuck that is to begin with. Yeah. But you know, that's what they they think that that you know AEW, like their fans are they know all the New Japan stuff. I'm like, you this is the this is the failure of AEW. And this is what I learned when I first started being trained on how to book a show. Indie darlings are not a draw. There are far more casual fans on this planet than there are internet smart insiders. Yeah. Oh, and here's the other thing. You don't think... Let's be real here, okay? Do you really think... Chris Jericho gives two shits about the paymaker and be returning. He don't give a fuck. The only reason he's doing it is because Tony probably said to him, oh, Money. wouldn't it be a cool idea if you did this because we're trying to do shit with New Japan? Ha 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 And Chris mm -hmm. is like, all right, fuck it. Why not? Right. Chris is like, I'm Chris is like, I'm doing fucking four more matches and having a match with MJF and then I'm taking off for six months. I don't give a fuck. Whatever. Agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. So we got that out of the way with the, the Gage ship. Um, and by the way, in case you didn't notice, uh, Gage versus Cardona for GCW this Saturday. Uh, make sure you go on uh, Make sure you go on Fight TV to buy the pay-per-view. Oh, that's what that was? I, I thought they were... Oh, no, that was last month when it was him and Mance Warner in the Outlaw Mud show. Correct. Yeah. Um. What else we got here? Oh! The drug robber. Oh! Oh, I finally come around on something. Uh oh. Um. Now, I don't think as an overall wrestler, this person's as bad as you seem to think. But I definitely have seen a new side of this person. Britt Baker is a sandbagging son of a bitch. Yep. Now. If you don't understand what I mean by this, and you lived under a rock and didn't watch Dynamite this past week. By the way, why the fuck have we been watching Dynamite so much lately? Is it just because of our journalistic duties to the podcast? I end up turning it on because I end up getting tagged in conversation threads about it and people DMing me, giving me play-by-play, -play, and I'm just like, dude, I'm not watching this shit. And like, then I look and I go to look on TV and there's like, I'm a cord cutter, so I have a limited selection. But I mean, right, right, like, right. there's not really anything on, even though I really should be chipping away at my queue on Hulu or Netflix or Disney Plus or Prime. Or, and I just don't think of it at the time. And so I'm like, oh, fuck it. Let's see how bad it is this week. Fair. Um, so if you didn't catch Dynamite in. Uh, You're lucky. Where <laughs> I don't even remember where the fuck they were. Uh, oh, they were in uh, oh, Dallas. They were in they Dallas. Were Dallas, yeah. Right. 
Yeah, that's um, so number one, they were in a sold out arena that held three thousand people. Like, and guess what? It coincidence you're in Dallas the same week that WWE is in Dallas. Complete coincidence. Absolutely. No doubt on my mind. Yeah. Um do yourself a favor if you want to understand what I'm saying. If you really feel like torturing yourself, go back and watch Britt Baker's title defense against Nyla Rose. Because um, my, because here's the thing: my initial opinion halfway through the match was, I'm, I'm suddenly lacking interest in Nyla Rose. But then, as this is this is why he's he's my co-host, folks. He's been around the business a little longer than I am, so he has an eye for this shit better than I do. And I'm pointing <laughs> the wrong fucking way. I'm pointing towards the end of the screen if you're watching on YouTube. So I should point that way. Uh, yeah, over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, there. No, him. Um, <laughs> this, that guy. That guy. Um, as the match kept going deeper, especially into the false finishes, the more I realized Britt is fucking half-assing shit. Yep. Like, she was... And I, like, okay, fuck it. I'm saying it. I think she purposely was fucking shit up. Yes. Like, I think she was purposely making Nyla look worse than she is. Mm-hmm. Like, there were bits and pieces where I was like, okay, like when she, when Nyla did her finish off the top with the the knee, whatever the fuck that is. Uh huh. That looked fine. Uh huh. Okay. And that was like, okay. That okay, that that that's why I like Nyla, because that shit fucking looks horrendous and is good for a heel finish. But like the moments leading up to that and then right after that, it's like like this bitch, not only is she sandbagging, she's borderline no selling shit. Yeah. And I'm See, like, here's, motherfucker. Here's the issue. You literally have your biggest threat in the women's division. You have a monster. On one side, and you have a cutout on the other side. You had the monster give the cutout all of the monster's finishers, and the cutout kicked out all of them. And then, on top of making the monster look bad, the finish was the little cutout making the monster tap out. out. You just ruined. Any semblance of Nyla Rose being a viable threat. And the thing is, let me just finish. The, Nyla Rose really needs to study under other beast females to learn how to correctly be a beast. She's almost there, but she needs help. She needs to talk to Kong. She needs to talk to Lady Tapa. She needs to seek out Bull Nakano. That's exactly the name I was about to bring up. Good on you. Um, which is interesting because for the first time in a while, I decided to listen to some clips of Cornette's podcast the last few weeks. Yep. Well, from the last few weeks, but in, it was over the last... You fucking know what I meant. Yeah. Anyways, there was a, a clip I was listening to and it goes right into what you were just saying on a, on, the, on a men's dynamic, though. Mm. So, And we yeah. talked about this match last week, the coffin match between Ethan Page and Darby Allen. Right. And this is what I totally forgot about that match. 
Do you realize what happened 30 seconds before Paige got put in the coffin and lost? I don't remember. <laughs> he did a top rope razor's edge onto the steps on Darby Allen. And 20 uh, seconds later, all of a sudden, Darby Allen is countering a move on the apron and putting Ego in the casket to win and then doing a coffin drop onto the wooden coffin. What the fuck? You see, AEW is has become what Ring of Honor was in 2005. Oh. There was a nickname for Ring of Honor in 2005 to those of us that weren't diehard robots, ROH bots. <laughs> That's because there was a there was a term. ROH stood for ropes of healing. Huh. The moment you bounce yeah. off the ropes, boom, your stamina meters back up. You can take any fucking move. It what doesn't matter. WWE 2K? Well, what the fuck is this shit? Ropes oh, of healing. God. That's what AEW is. Nobody knows how to sell correctly and keep and like ugh, nobody can sell. Yeah. Everything has to have a fucking everything has to have either a hot start or bullshit after the bell is rung. People fight off screen all the fucking time. Mm -hmm. It's just and it uh, it's just bad. It's like, and it's like, oh, they just signed Jake Roberts to another two years. I'm like, you think this company's still going to be around in another two years? So the last AEW-related note I have on here directly pertain to their in-ring product. I am very indifferent. Are we going to talk about Sting and Orange Cassidy? No, although that was that was interesting. You, yeah, you, you, can, you can do the it guys in the ring just fucking stop to watch it. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, because the camera goes to the outside to watch it, and the guys in the ring literally stop and are watching it in the ring. I also fast-forwarded through the match, so that tells you how much I was looking forward to that match. Yeah. Pretty much like, zero. Like, literally, like, Sting is just like... I mean, Sting did it because he's just like, whatever, I'm getting paid. But... Sting, Sting's character would not do that. He's just trying to help the young guys out. No, no, no. If this was 1997 Sting and Orange Cassidy did the shin tap, the real Sting would pull a baseball bat out of a trench coat and crack the kid upside the head. I know. He wouldn't do the goddamn... Section 8 kid and play dance. Well, it's not what I was going to bring up. It's an excellent point. <laughs> this is something that I'm indifferent about. I get, I, I'm pretty sure I understand why it's being done. Um, I'm just very indifferent about it. And by the way, way to use your geographical advantage for the night when doing this. Um, Andrade now having Chavo Guerrero Jr. by his side. Oh, yeah. Let's throw more money at 50 Which, by the way, when you first... Because I wasn't watching the show initially when you sent me this picture. Then decided, fuck it, I'll start from the beginning and work through it on my DVR. When you yeah. first sent me the picture of Chavo, I had to zoom in because my initial thought was, what the fuck is Paul Ellering doing on AEW TV? Because <laughs> if you look... Because he... Yeah, it was kind the, of blurry pick. Yeah. Well, it wasn't even that. His head was like 
five minutes freshly clean shaven, it looked like. And he he had just a stash going on. I'm yeah. like, what the fuck is Paul doing? And then when I zoom in, I'm like, oh, it's Chavo Jr. <laughs> it yeah. was like, it was like, oh, Paul, Paul, Paul. Oh, uh, but anyways, um, sorry, Chavo, just being honest. It's one of the greatest ranchers of all time, and then it's you. Um and that that whole just, segment, like they introduced Chavo as his new manager instead of Vicky now, and then the fucking death triangle comes out. And, and turns around half English, half Spanish. Yeah, half English, half Spanish, going back and forth. And I'm like, who's the baby face and who's the heel in this? I can't tell. But hypothetically, the heel's supposed to be Andrade, but, but the crowd is still so... Death Triangle is giving... Death Triangle is getting cheers. When so, they were heels originally. Yeah, I know. That doesn't make sense. It's It's... People say, like, oh, it's a different time. It's not heels and faces. No, motherfucker, you want casual fans, you do heels and faces. Correct. Now, this brings me to something I have to bring up. Mm-hmm. It goes back to what I was mentioning a few moments ago about me listening to Cornette stuff during the week. And it's going to be a way to nicely transition out of this AEWTF segment for the week. Dave Meltzer. B. So Dave Meltzer. <laughs> I don't even know how to. I, I, I've come to a conclusion that I think Jim Cornette's also leaning towards. And if you read the shit that Dave's been putting in the Observer in recent weeks, you can probably start drawing this conclusion too. My conclusion is. I think Meltzer is partially on the payroll. Oh, definitely. Because they busted like, open is too. Like I understand that. I understand that Meltzer has been waxing poetic about Omega and the Bucks since way before AEW started, since their time in New Japan, and probably even going back to Ring of Honor and even PWG, specific to the Bucks. Because they always kissed his ass. Um. But it's getting to a point where it's basically anything WWE does that remotely resembles anything that would have been on AEW television, he shits on. Anything that AEW does, no matter how shitty or how good it is, he doesn't shit on it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And and then it's funny because then you add that up with some of the shit he's been saying recently in these Dark Side of the Ring episodes he gets interviewed for. And it's like, it just brings the question, is he losing touch? Is he losing his mind? Or is he on the payroll? And I think it's a combination of B and C at this point. Yes. Like, I honestly think he's somewhat on the payroll, or at least on the take, um, when it comes to oh, information yeah. from AEW. Yeah. And I honestly think he's just legitimately losing his fucking mind. Like. Yeah. And, and you actually could be all three. I th- I don't really think it's actually all three. Because if you took the shit he's giving rave reviews about now and put it 25 years ago, Dave would have hated that shit. Yep. But now, and now he wants to say that guys like Cornette, like, let's be honest, like you and me, because we're pretty, I'm not, we don't have the extreme opinions necessarily of Cornette, but we're kind of in that same. Yeah more old school kind of thought process about pro wrestling. Right. 
he would say we're losing touch and not with the times. <laughs> and it's like, motherfucker, this is nothing to do with being with the times. We just appreciate talent that honor and, and respect the, the, the sport of it all and not just yeah. out there trying to do circus act shit all the time. Right. And actually want to do shit from a, an entertainment standpoint that makes fucking sense and just doesn't look like a clusterfuck every time you turn on the TV or turn on a pay-per-view. That's, exactly. that, that's where we're at. We're yeah. not losing our, our touch. We're not losing our minds. We're just appreciative of those who keep to the roots of what professional wrestling is and continues to be and should be across the board, but isn't because of certain promotions or people who just want to do all this Hollywood choreographed shit. That's not necessary. Right. I mean, it's, it's like I said, like a friend asked me early this morning, cause they saw me comment to something about Meltzer and they're like, man, you really fucking hate him. And I was just like, I am just so sick of everyone on social media acting like this motherfucker is either Nostradamus or fucking deep throat. Mm-hmm. When the weekly world news is more, is, is a more reliable source than Dave Meltzer and the observer. And that like Meltzer is like, if yo Meltzer's batting average, he'd be lucky to be fucking batting like 0.01 right now like he like he just fucking he's constantly yeah. wrong you know and what's funny mate what i should have put him in one my hot list for later on <laughs> oh because now that was that's a good tease by the way so remember this later on but I mean, it's just gotten pathetic in a way. Right. Like, you would think he would have... Like, here's the thing. You would have thought by now... Now, granted, he's not doing anything physical. He's literally just watching and writing. Right. And making phone calls occasionally. Yeah. But you would think by now, as much as I'm not the biggest fan of this guy, he would have just handed shit off to Brian Alvarez by now. Right. And said, it's yours. Have fun. Bye. Because no, he's a fucking narcissist and he needs the attention. And the thing is, like, meanwhile, you have guys like Mike Johnson and Dave Shearer who run a reputable site, who cross-check and reference as many sources as they can before they post something. And meanwhile, Meltzer just makes shit up. That's what he keeps fucking doing. And it's like, it would it be as if every time I say, here's some hypothetical indie fuckery, instead I would be saying, this is exactly what's going to happen. He thinks that hypothetical indie fuckery that he comes up with is going to happen. Or he thinks that somehow, if he says something enough that his buddies at AEW will make it happen. And he tries to take rumors and twist bring, them into factual right. It'll bring his averages back up. He's like any uh, how did I put this? In all my years of learning and talking to 
more seasoned veterans and former names, what have you. Right. The one thing in common with all the people who I've looked up to and respected and taken in every word they've said because they've never steered me wrong right. is Dave Meltzer is full of shit. They all say it. Can, can we just can we just call a spade a spade here? Sure. Dave Meltzer is the pro wrestling version of the National Enquirer. Yeah, like I said, Weekly World News. Yeah, yeah, and to and to it along that line because I mentioned earlier when he talked about people who were on the payroll payroll or whatever, and I, you you saw it, it was it was something I tweeted and it was on my Instagram, and that is busted open is to Nick Khan what Fox News is to Trump. Like just because you have him on all the time and you kiss the ring and sniff the throne, you mean Tony Khan? Yeah, did I say Nick Khan? Yeah, I meant Tony Khan. Okay. But yeah, that was just like just just but just because you kiss the ring and sniff the throne doesn't fucking make what he says true. No matter how much you fucking want, and stop it, mm-hmm. because that's the problem with journalism this day and age is you kiss someone's ass so much and all of a sudden they're your new God doesn't work that way. That was the most timely ding at the end of an argument I've ever heard. That was in my completely life. accidental. I know. That's why I had to bring it up. I'm like, wow, that was, that was good timing on your part. Sure oh, also last thing with AEW. Cause remember how I said, I have a hunch about the U S title and, they're doing this shit without New Japan's permission. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, one of two things is going to happen next week. Either Huki Lau is going to beat him and take that belt back to Japan, or, or he's going to be about to win, and here we go with he gets attacked by the Good Brothers, thus forwarding... Hold the new Bullet Club on AEW. One of those two things is going to happen, and I honestly think that the latter. Like, I don't think I don't think that New Japan is happy with them having these U.S. title matches and this U.S. title change on AEW show. I don't. I honestly don't think they are 100 percent on board with it, and I think that. They put. I, I feel like they put it on Lance Archer as a stopgap right. because they didn't want Moxley. Mox, AEW, I'd say, Moxley wouldn't care. AEW doesn't want Moxley to job to someone as young as Huki Lau who's going to take it back to Japan. Understood. Plus, when you got that kid in there who's legit 6'8 against Lance Archer who claims to be 6'8, although he's only 6'6, it's a better matchup as far gotcha. as size wise goes. Right. Meanwhile, these guys tower over mm. the entire fucking company. That being said, <clears throat> uh, we're going to do a, uh, a, a transitional segment. Not to say that this segment is going to be transitional every week, but um, we're going to debut a new segment per request of Mr. JJ Alexander. Um, just, just, to, just to break up the talk between the AEW side of things and the WWE side of things. 
Uh, and this new segment is called Behind the Black Ball. It's a resurrected segment from a, uh, a prior podcast that JJ was a host, was a co-host of. And uh, yeah, you want to just uh, go ahead and explain this segment and then get into yeah. uh, what you want to bring up. Yeah, so this this is a segment that I debuted on Full Circle Radio Reloaded sometime, maybe about five, six years ago. Um, it originally came about because a very close friend who was associated with the business had gotten out of a really bad, physically abusive relationship with a certain worker. And it was known that this worker was very abusive to other women, both physically and sexually, and they shouldn't be booked. And basically, I don't, I'm not going to say like I was a pioneer in this, but we were kind of a preface to the speaking out movement. Mm -hmm. We didn't have a huge audience, so that's why I'm not going to say like we did it first or whatever, but right. in the same vein, we just happened to be doing a little bit differently, whatever, but basically the same vein as the speaking out movement. So it came to my attention and luckily this has a happy ending, but it almost wasn't. So it came to my attention yesterday, early in the morning that there was going to be a certain event in my home state and they advertised wrestling on it. And lo and behold on the poster was a known pedophile. That known pedophile who has been caught, there are files out there, and I actually have was sent copies. Jose Camacho, who is known as Caveman in New York and works in mass for shit promoters who know that he's a sex offender but still use him. He was never charged, so he's not on the sex offender registry. However, there was incriminating evidence that came out that he sexually assaulted a 15-year-old and knowingly sent her lewd and explicit photos of his genitalia and had her send him pictures of hers. This was all well documented and this dumbass took screenshots of it all and it got found out and he got got. And people stopped booking him. But apparently he was on the flyer for Lucha Libre at this taco festival. So I went into the event page that I found on Facebook and I commented on the post saying, I need to speak to an admin. Do you know that there is a known pedophile being advertised on this poster? The admin decided to delete my comment and ban me from commenting in the discussion thread. So... I'm a member of several groups on Facebook because I am an event coordinator, not just for Dissension Pro Wrestling, right. but for my church, for my own personal home-based business. I do a lot of social media marketing. I'm in a lot of groups. There is one such group that I'm in that was originally formed to out shitbag event coordinators who were putting on bad events. That it wasn't wrestling related. It was just people who were putting on like food truck festivals where there was like only one truck there and shit like that and charging an exorbitant amount of money. So I went in there and I made a post saying, boycott this show. 
there is a known pedophile being advertised on the wrestling poster, yada, yada, yada. I tried commenting about this. They deleted my comments, banned from discussion. So the admin of the group was just like, where's your proof of this? This is, these are some serious allegations. I'm like, I only have a little bit, but I'm having people track down the proof that I have to give you. And he was like, this, you know, he was just like the coordinator who did this has spent thousands of dollars and lots of time to try to get this doing. And you're going to, you're going to ruin the livelihood of a lot of vendors, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, well, you're hosting an event for families where there's going to be children and there's going to be a pedophile there. Sorry. That kind of needs to be addressed. Right. I was messaged by the event administrator. Took it off of the comments and took it into private conversation. I explained to both of them the situation. At first, they didn't want to listen. And they were like, well, you said it happened in New York. This is the guy's name. He's not on the New York sex offender registry. I'm like, no, listen, you don't understand. These allegations came out afterwards. I had to explain to them what the speaking out movement was and everything that that entailed. And luckily during it, because, because the speaking out movement happened so long ago, you can only search back for so many tweets, like at least on a mobile phone. And so, and that whole thing was over a year ago. So I was right. trying to find shit and could it. The only, I only found, I was able to get a screen grab from this one Twitter account where it was just like, we should start a list of offenders who shouldn't be here. You know, Jose Camacho, uh, uh, Joey, Joey Ryan, David star yada 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 and that's all i can find so i i messaged them and i was like listen i need that proof because i need to present it to these people i was just like I, and i explained why i'm like this dude's getting booked on a show and we need to stop it and luckily someone sent me a dropbox link that had everything in there thank you very much sent it to the promoter they were like Holy shit. Because I was like, there are explicit photos in this. I'm warning you. They looked at it. Holy shit. Thank you for bringing this to our attention. We never would have known. We just contacted the promoter and said we want him off the show. About 20 minutes later, promoter just got back to me. He's off the show. Thank you. Happy ending. Happy endings like that don't happen every day. Mm -hmm. So that's why did stuff like behind the black ball. So I am reiterating to any promotion in the new England, in the tri-state area on the East coast, Midwest, anywhere that listens to this, if you are contacted by Jose Camacho, who wrestles as caveman, do not book him because shit will go down. Those of us who fight for the righteous are everywhere. This, this is this business is sacred to a lot of us, where we don't want shit like that to happen. This isn't the seventies and eighties. Shit like Grizzly Smith is not gonna fucking happen anymore. So, that's the behind the black ball segment for this week. <laughs> and this is something that I don't hope to have to bring up every week. Like as the last time I did one of these, and granted, it was you know we 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 haven't done full circle radio reloaded in a while, but I haven't had to bring one of these up in years. Unfortunately, we weren't recording during COVID, but right. I mean, God, that would have been oh, 
would have been here forever. But yeah, because like I basically like I did it once to help a friend because Aaron Epic needed to be outed. And they've been they've said so many times to me ever since, like they're forever grateful for us getting that word out. So I'll continue to do that shit. I'm not asking for fucking praise. I just want a safe environment for workers and for fans that come to shows. Amen. I'm totally on board with that, man. Um, so yeah, I I completely stand by that that take and that belief, and you know, it's safety first, and that goes beyond exactly. just inside the ring. So, right. Um, that being said, let's transition into the WWE side of things. Um, Money in the bank, sort of actually, drink. <laughs> actually. Before we get to that, let's actually stay on the indie scene for a second. Okay. Because I didn't create a banner for this, but I know it's something that I was interested in getting your take on. Mm-hmm. Um, chaotic Wrestling. Uh, promotion, oh, yeah, that's right. A promotion in the New England area. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say one of the promotions in the, in, in the New England area. Um, they created a new championship called the Panoptic Championship. Yep. Um, would you like to dive in on this one and give your thoughts and and what you think about that? Yeah, so like uh, Cha- chaotic uh, introduced last week that they were uh, that they were re- they were retiring their women's championship and replacing it with the Pan Optic Championship, which would be defended no matter what your sex was or what your, you know, uh, you know, uh, what, what you identified as, you know, male, female, non-binary, anything like that. You just felt like it was time for something like that to take effect, especially because in, especially in chaotic, they, they never really like, uh, held to any standards where like there have been women that have challenged for the, heavyweight championship uh i actually pulled it out uh i pulled up I think the most recent example was davian if i remember correctly i think davian challenged for the, t- the heavyweight title recently yeah exactly but yeah so chaotic said they're proud to announce the inception of a brand new title sent around inclusivity uh the past in a post speaking out world it is more important than ever to create safe environments for people to train watch perform and engage with professional wrestling Chaotic and the New England Pro Wrestling Academy aim to be at the center of that movement. The Panoptic Championship will be taking the place of what was the Chaotic Women's title as we look to remove any gender bias from affecting matchups or the overall perception of the wrestlers involved. Therefore, the Panoptic Championship will be genderless, non-binary, and without exclusion. Those battling for the title will share these ideals that a wrestling match should be just be judged on the quality of the content in the match and the talent of the wrestlers competing with no regard to the identity of either individual. And that was, that was, it was really good. Oh, and also speaking of behind the black ball, there was someone here who uh, decided to uh, pipe in with some bullshit who claims to be, he claims to live in Brooklyn, but he trained to be a wrestler in Texas. 
and uh, he needs to be called out. Uh, da, 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 who is that? Because I had that saved. Da, da, da. Yeah, fuck. I just lost it. Let me scroll back here. Sorry, folks. Take no, you're fine. While you're, while you're doing that, so basically, here, here's the here's the situation. So, um, essentially, what it seems like Chaotic is doing, um, it, they're basically using number one. They're basically using a fancy name for an intergender championship is what they're doing. Um, for the most part, yeah, right. Um, but on, on the other hand, the other thing I want to bring up is they're basically taking the concept of now Canuck has had some we mentioned they've had some ma male versus female matches before like I just mentioned Davian recently challenged for the chaotic heavyweight championship but yeah. essentially what they're doing is they're taking the beyond wrestling business model if you don't know what beyond wrestling is first of all shame on you for living under a fucking rock second of all go look them up but beyond wrestling has been very much at the forefront, at least in New England, I don't know about the general indie scene, but they've been very much at the forefront of booking male versus female matches for years. And Chaotic is basically taking this to the next level by creating a championship based on that business model. ISW was doing it before Beyond, just saying. Way to put Matt over. Thank you very much. Um, way to put Matt over. Good job. Um, I I have no problem with it personally, as long as this is my caveat. Okay. Don't book, and I know Fury won't do this because we know Brian Fury will love him to death, and he knows. He, he can differentiate talent from no talent hacks. Mm -hmm. Don't book matches for that division for the sake of booking matches. Right. That, that's the only thing I'm hoping out of this is that they maintain a level of quality to that division that is respectful yeah. to both the ideals of the championship division and the ideals of both Chaotic and the Wrestling Academy. That's my hope. Um, knowing Fury, like we both do, I'm going to go on a limb and say he's going to. But again, that's just the caveat I put on it because, you know, uh, some people sometimes people come up with great ideas and have poor execution. Yeah. Um, I'm just hoping that this doesn't become one of those great ideas that's poorly executed and ends up being a fucking stinker yeah uh on that note because i was just looking for these screen caps and such um there was a there was like i said there was a worker who was adamantly against this title and decided to go off on a whole lot of transphobic rants um promoters anywhere that you are if you are contacted by someone named eric justin sanchez or an individual called Eddie Midas Gold Mitchell, do not book them because they are openly transphobic and 
said a lot of awful shit about people who are different from them in a public forum and said, literally said, this will not stop me from getting booked places. So they must not be uh, big fans of Nyla Rose or the uh, the person formerly known as Tyler Rex, I assume. Yeah, probably. Motherfuckers. Um, yeah. All right. So, yeah. Um, now we can get into the WWE. The, ugh, find your words, Brian. WWE side of things. Um, and for a change... I'm not going to go through each TV show segment by segment. I'm just going to bring up shit that stands out to me. We said goodbye to the Thunderdome. Yes. Thank the good Lord Jesus. And we said um, hello to money in the bank. Soda with the drink. It's the third time you said that in this show, and I'm not sure which one I'm more disgusted by. It's because fucking, what was it? Ross Smackdown 07? That yeah, was I, one of the background I, I, songs. I know, know, like I know. Every time I hear Money in the Bank, that stupid-ass G-Unit shit gets stuck in my fucking head. I know. I know. Um, but I, I, have to, I have to address this first. Okay. I understand that live crowds to start off with post-pandemic are going to be a little wilder, crazier, and probably more vocal than they were before the pandemic. I get it. Y'all haven't been out of the house for a year and a half to two years. Mm -hmm. I, for example, I know a super show is coming. I want to say it's within a week of the MSG show. The uh -huh. super show they're doing. A, I think it's SmackDown they're doing at MSG. So within the yeah. same week, they're doing a super show house show in Albany. Yeah. Which is for number one, if you don't oh, the MSG, the MSG is a co-branded now. Okay. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know, number one, your state capitals fuck off. Albany is the state capital of New York, not New York City. Number two, Albany is where I used to live for most of my life. Now it's about 35 minutes from me. Um, so I can imagine how these crowds are going to be going forward. Um, probably just like they've been so far. But I have to say this. Okay, and specifically pertaining to one thing I saw. Y'all need to understand, it ain't all about you. <laughs> I know you've been locked up for a year and a half, and I don't like I'm being a little too over the top with that wording, but you get my point. Y'all ain't been out of the house for a lot of social gatherings the last year and a half. That don't mean you can go out and take over shit like wrestling shows. Now, the first example we saw of this was the dumb fat ass who tried to interrupt the MJF Jericho signing on live TV. Oh, Jesus fuck. But that's not even what I want to bring up. You motherfuckers in Fort Worth, Texas at Money in the Bank... I wanted to slice and dice all of you and feed you to pigs so that there's no trace evidence of your deaths. <laughs> and here's why. One of the biggest rivalries of the last few months in WWE, and I know you're probably going to roll your eyes a little bit, JJ, but it's been Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. No, I agree. Okay. It's also one of the most consistent, as far as the in-ring product, most consistent robberies as far as quality of in-ring product. Yes. Okay? 
You motherfuckers decided five seconds after the goddamn opening bell rings to chant Becky, Becky, Becky. And, and then, then flipped off the camera and they all got a black spot. Right. And then that's not even the worst of it. Ten minutes later, your motherfuckers want to suddenly be like, this is awesome. You know what I would have done if I was Charlotte Maria? I would have had both of them double bird you motherfuckers and walk out of the ring and get a double count out just to fuck with y'all. That is some bullshit on top of bullshit. I, I like like so, nothing pisses me off more than fucking Howard Dean flip flopping wrestling fans during matches. Y'all didn't want to see them. And then 10 minutes later, oh, this is the best shit of the night. Fuck off. You can all kiss so, my ass and you can go suck someone else's dick for the night. So to be fair, dude, five minutes before the pre-show, Becky posted a picture on Twitter of her outside the dicky. Which stuff. I understand. I saw it on Instagram myself. I understand that. But motherfuckers, there's not even a report yet that she's been cleared to wrestle. Because... Like, I get it. She's been posting gym pictures with, like, very vague captions. And then she suddenly posts a picture outside Dickie's Arena an hour before the show goes on the air. That's all well and good. But don't you think for half a second that if Becky was really going to make an appearance, that even if WWE doesn't publicize it, somebody would have teased it on some kind of reputable site somehow? You don't think that word's going to get out to Brian Johnson? Right. You don't think that word's going to get out to Brian Alvarez? Right. You don't think it's going to get out to Sean Sapp? Right. Go fuck off. Go fuck <laughs> off. Y'all are just living in this pipe dream world that shit, something's going to happen. And guess what? It didn't happen. You know what I say? Good on WWE. Fuck all y'all. Yeah. So here was my only crowd issue, if you could say. So... I'm pretty sure Vince was reserved to the fact back at Mania that Mania was going to be a one-shot of having fans before he could start doing the touring stuff again. So he couldn't give them the Raw after Mania that people have come to expect. So what happened was Money in the Bank happened, had a live crowd, and he tried to make the next night the Raw after Mania that we should have gotten. Right. Here's the issue. Usually, the Raw After Mania, you get brand new debuts. Usually, it's NXT call-ups. And the crowd goes fucking insane. The reason being, because the Raw After Mania is all the people who have come from all over the world. In the same fucking city. Exactly. Other, You're talking, you're, you're in Texas. You're getting people from Texas. Like, you probably get, had a few stragglers that flew in that were able to get the time off and yada, yada. But your majority of people were from Texas. Your majority of people were casual fans. That is why they didn't care at certain people. Right. Keith Lee didn't get the proper introduction because he got introduced during the Thunderdome when viewership was already down. And right. then he was barely used, and then he was gone. Mm -hmm. So bringing him back in front of what you want to consider your Raw After Mania crowd was not the wise choice because people, number one, 
probably weren't familiar with him in NXT. And number two, have a goldfish memory and don't remember the guy that hasn't been on TV since two weeks before the Royal Rumble. Another reason, and I felt bad for Keith Lee, and another reason to compound it is that he got that kind of poor reaction essentially where he's from. Exactly! I'm telling you this. In a perfect world, which obviously didn't happen. Wrestling is never a perfect world, but go ahead. In a perfect world, Keith Lee would have stayed in NXT, had a good six six to eight month run with the title. Mm Mm-hmm. Before dropping it to someone like Karrion Cross to go to the main to, to go to the main roster. Instead, what happened was we got Keith Lee being a dual champion, vacating the North, North American title, and then dropping the NXT title in his first defense because Vince wanted to bring him up to the main roster because of the reaction that he'd received at the previous year's Survivor Series. Go ahead. For those of you who don't understand. That's where the term hot shotting comes from in pro wrestling. Continue. Right. And it's not like Cross wasn't deserving, but it made Keith Lee not look that great to have dropped the NXT title in his first defense. Vince wanted to blow up the territory. Right. And so, like, Keith Lee debuted in front of a bunch of TV screens, you know, the world's biggest game of guess who. And. <laughs> It didn't really matter. So him coming out in front of these fans, they were just like, some people were like, ooh, it's Keith Lee. But everyone else was like, who? Ooh. Oh, yeah, that guy? The guy that disappeared before he was supposed to feud like for the U.S. title, and we don't know where the fuck he's been. Like, we haven't heard boo him. And then you go and you job him clean to Lashley in five minutes? Like, what kind of no, you know, you know, incorrect, incorrect. It's not Lashley. Use the proper name. Trashley. LSD. Or, thank LSD. you very much. Continue. Yes, but so so you job him, and it's just like okay, yeah, you want you want Trashley to be your big monster, but literally Keith Lee got in the ring, and though Keith Lee is not muscle bound defined, Keith Lee made Bobby Lashley look little. And you took Keith Lee and turned him into Big Cat Curtis Hughes. You took a guy who's like, you took a guy who was of a imposing stature, who could be your resident badass, and just made him a stepping, you made him a doormat. You might like, as well put him in a suit and give him a, a, a fedora and make him Mr. Hughes. Dude, Mr. Hughes is badass, but Big Cat Curtis Hughes was just happy-go-lucky. And that, that that's what they made Keith Lee. Yeah. Like, it's like if you were going to decide to bring Keith Lee back to a, to a build, don't have him come out to face Lashley. Or have him come out to face Lashley and have it go to a double countout. Yeah, let it be a, a mush, yeah. Or not much. Let, uh, let it be a fucking right. schmaz. Right. Schmaz, let thank it, you. Let it be a schmaz. Let Lashley go over dirty. You let Lashley go over clean. There is nowhere for Keith Lee to go in that situation. It is going well, there's only one reason they did it. Let's just be frank about it. To fast forward to Monday Night Raw, 
let's just be frank. The only reason they did it is because they wanted to set up the end of the segment, which was... Goldberg. Thank you. It's the only which, reason it happened like that. Which people saw coming, and they piped in the Goldberg chants, but people were like, oh, they piped in Goldberg chants. I'm like, they've been piping in Goldberg chants since WCW was doing it in 1998. Like, that's nothing new. Mm -hmm. Like, and... You know, it's just, it gets to me still, and I'm pretty sure I've said this on here, but everyone's bitching about Goldberg and Lashley, and you all act like Brock and Lashley would have been a better match. No! They're both going to suck. Yeah. And, like, it's... <sighs> Am I a big proponent of it? But you know something? Goldberg is box office. Lashley is not. Mm -hmm. Sorry. That's a sad matter of facts. I, I, I loved how I read something this past week where people were like, it used to be about the wrestling. Now all it is is about the ratings. And that ratings doesn't make it a better show. Um, if more people are watching it, kind of makes it a better show. Like, there's a reason TV shows get canceled because no one's watching them. There's a reason no one's watching them. Sometimes, yes, it could be a bad time slot or it could be, you know, that, you know, there hasn't been enough word of mouth yet or whatever, but a lot of times it's because there just wasn't enough interest. Mm -hmm. So you go and take this shit. So yeah, we got Goldberg and Trashley. <clears throat> What's the one thing we can hope for? Goldberg wins. Trashley attacks him after the bell. Then here comes Big E. Shit cans Trashley. And Big E cashes in. And everybody's happy. Might not even need a shit can Trashley. They might just have Trashley walk out and then he just runs by Lashley on the ramp. Nah, I wouldn't do that. I would I would I mean I wouldn't I would, either, but that's just what I I would at. have I would have Lashley fucking lose and then while Goldberg's celebrating, have fucking Lashley attack him. And then fucking while he's standing there, like, I'm the bad, I'm the bad, have Big E just pop out of nowhere, whack him with the briefcase, shit can him out of the ring, hand the case to the ref, let's go, big ending, spear, one, two, three. And then afterwards, Big E picks up Goldberg, shakes his fucking hand, Goldberg gives him the nod, Goldberg walks off into the sunset. And then Big E can turn and there's Trashley and be like, you want some? Come get some. Which is funny because that transitions to what I was about to bring up in that um, Money in the Bank was a culmination of both of us calling our shots. Mine was Big E. Like, mm -hmm. we documented it for weeks. Once mm -hmm. the qualifying matches came out, I said Big E was winning Money in the Bank and he surely did. Yours, yeah. yours happened the moment... The Dirty Dogs lost the SmackDown Tag Team titles. Now, you didn't necessarily call who was going to do it, but it's set up, and you were correct, with the Usos taking the tag titles at Money in the Bank. Because yeah. what you said was, in a more general prediction, you said that this is all fun and games for the Mysterios now, but once they go back in front of live crowds, they'll lose the titles real quick. And sure enough, yep. the second show back in front of live crowds, they lose the belts. Uh-huh. Um, Vince may be crazy, but he's not stupid. Touche. Um, so the end of Money in the Bank and the beginning of Monday Night Raw featured 
the kickoff to the summer of Cena. Apple juice. Ba, ba, da, ba. All right. Um, Dude, you cannot deny that fucking pop. The pop Sunday night was out of control. I'm not yeah. going to lie about that. Yeah. Um, so we know where Cena is going. He wants, he's going to challenge Roman at SummerSlam. Uh-huh. This is where things get under my skin, though. Because now what we're going to get leading up to SummerSlam relentlessly is the GOAT conversation with John Cena. Yeah. And it started today, because we are recording this on Friday, July 23rd in the afternoon. I woke up this morning on Twitter seeing WWE. It wasn't even Bleacher Report or Wrestling Inc. or The Observer. It was WWE's main Twitter account. <laughs> is John Cena the greatest of all time? Motherfuckers! Are you kidding me with this shit? No, I get it. He was the face of a specific generation of your company. He was the face of the ruthless aggression. I get it. And he's going on to basically be the White Rock 2.0. That's what he is. Let's be frank. He's Dwayne Johnson with cream and sugar. All right? Uh, not so much. You get my point, though. He's gone the Hollywood mainstream route. I see his John Cena more as a George Reeves. You get the point I'm making, though. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So here's just because he's going for that magical number seventeen. Doesn't automatically mean you need to bring him up in the conversation of greatest of all time. Because here's my biggest argument. John Cena. Basically, this actually goes for any wrestler post-WWF takeover of North American wrestling. Once that happened, and Vince Jr. essentially took away, this might be an extreme word phrasing, but whatever. But once he took away the legitimacy of championship belts in the sport, it essentially made title reigns a complete fucking joke. Now, that's not to say that certain guys, like didn't earn them, or there's no respect anymore in the championships. That's not what I'm saying. But now you have all these inflated numbers that have been coming out over the last 25 years. Like, The Miz is what? An 11-time Intercontinental Champion? Only two-time uh, Grand Slam champ. Charlotte is... Uh, uh, she's a five-time Raw and five-time SmackDown Women's Champion, so she's a 10-time Main Brands Champion. Um, Cena actually 16. eleven time because they count the Divas Championship too, but they won't True, count the NXT. But they would, but they transitioned it into so really yeah. it's still ten because the Divas transitioned right into so fuck off. It's like WWE. that fuckery Jericho got when he won the two titles, and they count that as three title reigns. Correct. Um, Orton's at what fourteen? I think. Yes. Edge is at what eleven or something like uh, that. 
12 because he wanted to make he wanted no 11 because he wanted to make that night the dirty dozen and him and christian had what like eight nine tag title reigns yeah like and none of these fucking reigns more or less are lasting more than what six months tops depends on yeah i mean for the most part like if you go back okay you go back number one while I wouldn't say Hogan's the greatest of all time, he was the face that cha- helped change the sport with Vince. And right. just his first title reign alone? Three years. Fucking A. It was January of 84 to February of 88 with the schmas with Andre the Giant on the main event. Yeah. So that was four plus years. Then add on, a, then after that was essentially exactly a year from WrestleMania 5 to WrestleMania 6. And then we we went to get into the others. But just those two title reigns alone were over five years. Right. Hogan's shortest title reign was between WrestleMania 9 and King of the Ring, which is, what, three months? Right. You go even further back. Ric Flair. Like... It, it was getting a little ridiculous towards the late 80s, early 90s because they just wanted to flip-flop shit. Flair the had a couple of flip-flop title reigns, though. Right. But generally speaking, I mean, come on. Um, Bruno. How fucking long did he hold the title the first time? Like eight seven years? years eight eight years. years? Like, for like, come on. Like, like, to me, you have to... You can't just go strictly by the numbers. You have to dive into the numbers. And just because this motherfucker decided to come out of Hollywood for the special match against Roman, okay? Oh, and the other thing. Here's the other thing. Here's the other thing, okay? Here's the other thing. Because I had this argument on social media. I had this argument on social media on Monday night during Raw. There's motherfuckers already saying that Cena's automatically the champion. There's no need to watch SummerSlam. Have you not looked back at John Cena's pay-per-view career? Okay? Because people want to say he's just coming back to bury Roman, take the belt, and do whatever the fuck he wants. Motherfucker, he's been making young talents for years. He's the one that most recently lost to Roman Reigns four years ago after their trash talk back and forth at No Mercy. Because he said he wanted to make Roman the new guy. Right. He lost Elimination Chamber matches. He's lost world title matches. He's not just coming into Barrytown automatically. I mean, fuck. He even rolled over for Taker because Taker thought he was suddenly 25 again at WrestleMania. This is not a case of Cena automatically coming in and wanting to bury Roman. This is a case of making a bigger box office for your biggest event this summer in Las Vegas, a stadium show, okay? You're going to an NFL stadium, so your goal is to fill the motherfucker with 70,000, 80,000 people, not just draw 20,000 like they're AE fucking W. Go ahead. It was released earlier today that he's coming back for a full-time schedule for the foreseeable future. Which makes more sense to the fact that he probably is not going to bury Roman. They're going to have Roman go over and probably have a handshake at the end or some shit. Okay. On, this, on top of ahead. the fact that Rock is showing back up at Survivor Series. Need I, like, the evidence is mounting towards your arguments being irrelevant about Cena burying people. Okay. And, oh, oh, and another thing. Cena hasn't buried anyone since the mid-2000s, and even then, it wasn't him doing it. It was, it was Vince cre- doing it. It was creative making him this in, look invincible. Like, 
making him look invincible and people weren't buying. Like, him. let's just be real. The Cena sucks evolution wasn't caused by Cena. It was caused by the way, like you just said, creative was booking him, right. which is why the people at fucking, uh, the people in Hammerstein wanted to kill the motherfucker if he didn't lose to RVD at one night stand right. too. All right? right. Like they created the image of John being invincible. He's not really invincible. Like it's amazing how people just automatically assume that old talents returning for a decent schedule are just coming into Barry. Look what Edge has done. Yeah. Edge has put over Roman twice. Yep. And he's probably gonna put over this Seth. is the match. Yeah, assuming that's what they're going to book for SummerSlam, he's going to let Seth go over. Like, you you need to widen your optics and use your peripherals and not just look at what's directly in front of you. You got to dig deep, look at the information, use the details, even the little details especially, and then draw your conclusions. Don't just... Don't don't uh don't do what they uh created in office space and pull out your jump to conclusions, Matt. Oh, don't God. fucking do that, all right? <laughs> yes, I just did an office space reference on way. Back up in that ass like the resurrection. Thank you very much. Uh, Damn, it but, feels good to be a gangster. Yeah. Like, cause like I will admit, like back during the mid two thousands, I was part of that whole fucking I hate Cena thing. And it was like and it wasn't against the person, it was against the whole machine. And it was the cool thing to do back then, by the way. Oh, I didn't care Cena. about the cool thing to do. I was just sick of John Cena showing up every fucking time and doing five fucking boobs and then being done like the to five this day, to doom. To this day, well, I mean, Bret Hart was five moves to doom way before John Cena, but that's a story for another day. Well, nobody but, wanted to recognize it back then. But, yeah, but, like, my fiancé to this day remembers, like, every time John Cena shows up, she automatically says, like, it's like Pavlovian. She's just like, shoulder block, shoulder block, shitty blue thunder, you can't see me, uh, F-U, S-T-F-U. Like, it's it's fucking it's it's ingrained in her from me at the time like that was 11 years ago and the thing is like she got out of that routine around like 2014 or so because basically it was when he was slowing down and he was like listen i want to help make some newer guys let me do it my fucking way oh oh i have another perfect example but Two, actually. Who put Seth Rollins on the map after he won the world title? John Cena. Who lost the big SummerSlam title for title match? John Cena. Who helped put over AJ Styles when he first showed up to WWE? John Cena, and I wish he had. That's all correct. Now, I know AJ's in a young talent, but he was the new hot talent then, right. and he like, let's just say I this. remember John applauding Smith's that match. SummerSlam in recent years has not been very good. Yeah, I remember applauding that match afterwards, but then I was like, fuck, now Cena's going to be around for I'm not Now Styles is going to be around for a while because AJ people want to talk about Cena and five moves of doom. Literally, you sit back and you watch. If you've watched two AJ Styles matches, you've watched all of them. You've either watched AJ Styles from between 2001 to 2007 
or you've watched AJ Styles from 2007 until to, until current day. Except he's replaced the Styles Clash with the Flying Forum, and he saves the Styles Clash for special occasions. Like I said, 07 to 2021. Yeah. Um, any we were going through, uh, let's see here. So uh, We got a new Raw Women's Champion, baby. Yeah. I- I'm still feeling indifferent on that. Nikki not, deserves not, it. not because of Nikki. I'm feeling indifferent about what's the rush, I guess, is the best way to put so that. So here's a little here's a little tidbit for you. When you say what's the rush, here's the issue. Creative doesn't know how to book the women's money in the bank. No. Here's how you, here's how you know. Three out of the last five women's money in the bank cash-ins have been on Charlotte. The longest time a person has held the Money in the Bank briefcase is Carmella at two days. Every other person has either cashed it in the night they won it. Or the well, I know. Night I remember Alexa doing that. Everyone, look it up. They don't know how to book the women's. And it's like Oscar, they didn't have to. They just gave it to her because Becky was knocked up. But oh, that's right. Exactly. Every women's money in the bank is one and done right there. And that's what they need to change up for next year because they've gotten far too predictable. And in the age of the internet, in the age of being able to fact check, people are able to find this shit out very quickly. How so, do you feel about Reg will be the 24-7 champion now? Yeah, what the fuck ever. Bad point. <laughs> Suck to so late and hold it for a week. I don't care. Um, Gives him something to do until his contract's up. Hmm. Black Ellsworth can scurry on down the road. Now, I know how you mentioned Busted Open. Sucks a lot of AEW dick. But oh, I'll, yes. give him, I'll give him a little bit of credit here. I appreciate Bully Ray and LaGreca taking WWE to task about something that happened. I appreciate them taking WWE to task about how they handled the Karrion Cross Raw debut. Okay. Because here's the thing. You essentially... You basically shitted on Cross. Yeah. And without really thinking it through, you essentially shitted on the NXT brand. Oh, to lack of a better was, phrase. It was thought through. I have an entire thought process on it, but go ahead. No, that's it. That's it. I just want to get that off my chest and you can go ahead okay. and say your they say your piece. So- I knew we were going to get to this eventually because I was like one of the many others that literally lost my shit when Cross did the job in less than two minutes. Okay, so here's the problem. And yes, I was against it. I don't care how they come back from this and everything. It's like, you know, now it'll be like, you know, because like the, the idea is now he's going to go on a killing spree and be unstoppable because he's mad because that one loss. Now he's going to retire Jeff Hardy. Uh, Cornette's idea was that he's going to be like, oh, I lost because I didn't have Scarlet, and that's how they're going to bring Scarlet in. Like all this shit. Here's my issue. I'm listening. 
Vince has gotten to the point where I don't want to say it airs on the side of senility, but he seems to think that the brand extension is real. And that it was to him initially back in the day. Right. Because he didn't have competition and granted he still pretty much doesn't. Create your own competition with it in. Right. Create your own competition. And as it was for years, Raw was his baby. SmackDown was the bitch. However, now, and if you always noticed, up until two years ago, the title that Vince cared about, as far as a heavyweight title goes, was on Raw. Oh, yeah. No matter what it was, because they would switch back and forth the WWE, the world title, whatever, Universal. Whoever was champion on Raw was King Shit of Fuck Mountain. Until Vince got network TV. That's when SmackDown became whoever's the champ on SmackDown is King Shit of Fuck Mountain. Hence why it doesn't matter to him that Bobby Lashley is champion. It doesn't matter to him that he's only getting 1.9 million viewers on USA because. Over on Fox, he's getting 2.25 million viewers. Over on Fox, he's getting national coverage. Over on Fox, it's not cable. On that note, just like how back in the day, ECW was the third brand. It was the bastard child. Hell, if you fucking played PS2 and you picked up Raw versus SmackDown 2008 featuring ECW, Mm -hmm. in storyline mode, you literally could not vie for the championship with an ECW guy. That's how Penny Vince was. So Vince looks at NXT as the bastard stepchild. He looks at it as his Hunter's baby and he wanted to, like it's been said so many things. He wanted to send a message to Hunter. I don't give a fuck about NXT. The problem is he's in that mindset of this is another brand that I don't care about. And if it couldn't beat these bullshit spot monkeys who started a promotion, I should care less about it. His problem is this is the program that gets the people that he plucked from the PC ready for television. And he is not seeing that. He needs to realize that while it's competition, blah, 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 it's still his product. It's still his money going into this. It's still an investment. For some reason, that circuit is not clicking. So that's what happens with it happened with Keith Lee and it happened with Carrie and Cross. Now, I don't you can spin it any way you want. Number one, the match made no fucking sense. Why is the baby face putting his feet on the ropes to win? Correct. Baby faces don't cheat to win. You obviously brought Cross up as a heel. Number two. Crosses on NXT, and it's been the Thunderdome era. This is, you want to treat it like Night After Mania, but it's not a Night After Mania crowd. It's a Texas crowd. And if they don't watch NXT, they don't know who Cross is. And the first time that you see Cross, like, in all honesty, like, I thought Killer Cross was pretty badass on the Indies. He did a little, he did a little short bit in MLW. He obviously said an impact, but the first time he showed up on Impact with Scarlett, 
that entrance stuck with me right from the fucking beginning. That was like an Undertaker level entrance. And the simple fact that you bring this guy out on main event and you bring this guy out in front of a live crowd without the key elements of that entrance, you are sabotaging this person right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And why are you sabotaging people that are on your own fucking payroll? Like it, it, it literally baffles me. And yes, they can absolutely build him up to be a monster still. I mean, they obviously, they were able to do it with Roman. They can rebuild him. I'm not concerned about that. What I'm concerned about is you purposely made it so you have to do that. You didn't have to fucking do that. You literally took a guy, you had him come out with the NXT title around his fucking waist. Like, you could have had him come out and not wear that fucking title, and it still would have sucked. But it wouldn't have been a slap in the face of your viewers. You need to realize that, okay, yeah, NXT isn't getting the ratings that you think it should be, and therefore it shouldn't be taken seriously. However, NXT is drawing between six and eight, 800,000 people. Raw is drawing between 1.5 and 2 million people a week. So theoretically, that's a third of your audience that you are just shitting on. This is a locale. This is a group of people that are so hungry for the product that want quality that you just – because it's like – so basically – I've said it before. I don't remember. I've said it before on here, but I believe that Hunter with NXT and the NXT expansions is basically trying to revive his own territories just at a global level instead of a national level. And Vince secretly despises that because Vince is like, I got rid of the territories. Why are you trying to bring them back? And it's just like, it's Vince needs to shit or get off the pot. Either sell the company and let someone else steer it in the right direction or just fucking retire already. I have talked to many people who have worked on the creative team who are like, he doesn't sleep. He calls us to meetings at his house in Greenwich at two o'clock in the morning. It's a nightmare. Like I've had asshole bosses, but Literally a quote from a former writer. We were in town in California when it was like Royal Rumble. One of the big four was in California. This is a few years ago. He said a bunch of us decided we were going to, you know, a bunch of us who are former writers who are now working on other projects like Big Brother and Temptation Island and shit like that because Vince hires realities star writers decided to meet up at a bar just, you know, old time six. We haven't seen anyone in a while. And he literally said it was like the bar scene from the deer hunter. Everyone is just that fucking shell shocked from working for Vince. When you're in that toxic of an environment, you need to nip it in the bud. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not to say that. Yeah, I just I I don't think Vince has much more to offer. I think he has become the 
angry. I think he's become Clint, Clint Eastwood in El Torino. Get off my fucking lawn. And he doesn't want to change anything. And at the and in it, he's just he's he's sabotaging his son-in-law and his own product. And think I know what's best to get what's done. And then he tries to prove it by he's like, look, I brought back Cena and Goldberg and we gained 500,000 viewers this week. Yeah. See what happens next week. And just, you should be drawing way more than that. It just, it's time for him to hand the reins over to someone else. All right. Listen, I'm not going to disagree with you on any of that. <laughs> I I have no way to do that. Um, real quick before we get into the hot list to wrap up the show, um, NXT Takeover officially scheduled for the night after SummerSlam because SummerSlam's a mm -hmm. Saturday this year, yeah. two weeks after my birthday, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, the twenty first of August is a Saturday night. That's SummerSlam, so Sunday the twenty second will be Takeover. And one thing that's already been revealed. And I'm sure you're happy as fuck about this, and this is something you were kind of calling out, actually, is Walter and Ilya Dragunov getting their yeah. NXT UK title match moved to the show. Like I said, like, it smelled fishy. You did say that the Walter injury smelled fishy, and it sure enough looks that way. Um, so now they've Rescheduled the uh, the second meeting between these two for NXT Takeover in Vegas. I guess the question becomes: Do they try making a move here, or is it just simply for for show? I think it's simply for show because I like, in all honesty, like a lot of people praise their first outing. I mean, like, I know Cornette thought it was the greatest match of the year. It was all right. I wasn't a big proponent of the length that it went and how it ended. Mm -hmm. And I just, when you put Walter and Dragunov against each other, like, I don't see Dragunov as a viable contender. Okay. Just like, from a size perspective, I'm assuming? From a size perspective and the fact that Walter is a bulky, calculating powerhouse who is just like, he's like a giant redwood tree. And Ilya Dragunov is like a squirrel on cocaine. Like, yeah, you can climb up the tree. That's about it. A flying squirrel on cocaine. Yeah. Like, Dragunov is literally like, blah, 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 blah. and it's just like, you know something, kid? If you were like three inches taller and 240 pounds with that shit, gold. But you're a little fucking guy. Right. You basically should be doing Heritage Cup matches, not exactly. UK title matches. I understand. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm obviously looking forward to it. I'm intrigued to see how the rest of this, the card pans out. I've seen the spoilers, so I could tell you, but I won't. Um, the one question I have is going to be the women's division. Yep, um, it happens. <laughs> okay. Um, I, 
my mind went to one thing and I'm going to reserve, I'm going to reserve that thought for when we get off the air. Yeah. Um, but speaking of, speaking of, uh, the women's division, I also, this just came to my mind quick. Did you happen to watch the end of NXT? Yeah. Something fucked up happened there. So essentially what happens is Raquel is making a comeback to end the match basically against Zia Lee which was for the women's championship. Right. And so so basically Raquel did a springboard spinning senton for the lack of a better phrase. Yeah. Like you know most people right. just do a regular like um so okay let's just say the body's lying where you normally would for a corner spot. Yeah. So a lot of people normally just run into the corner, springboard, and do a splash from there. Yeah. She decided to do that, but add a 180 twist to it, so she landed as a senton instead right. of a splash, which is yeah. a little more dangerous because you don't have your knees to cushion your fall mm -hmm. and make it still look good, but not have it be as potentially hazardous to the opponent. So when she spins and turns into a senton, what it looks like is that it caused more force to come down on the upper ribcage area of Xia Li and right. potentially and she ends, and Xia Li eventually just she, um, so Raquel goes for the cover after that move. Xia Li kicks out and I put it in air quotes because I didn't really see a kick out, but they just kind of went with it because the match wasn't over with that move. No, she and, kicked out, but then like, like you kind of rolled her shoulder like, over a little bit. Right, but you can but tell when Zia Raquel was just, comes like, just off, take it home. Right. When Raquel comes off, you can tell Zylee is fucked up to the point where the trainers at ringside actually yeah. come and check on her, which yeah. leads me to believe that Senton probably caused some cracked or maybe even broken ribs, is my opinion. Yeah. And, that, and she probably was having a lot of trouble breathing, hence her not really getting up right away. Uh -huh. um, so then eventually, I mean, the ref, I believe it was... Uh, Aja, Aja Smith, I think it was, who was yeah. the referee for that match. She basically goes back and forth between talking to the trainers and Zia Lee and Raquel Gonzalez. So eventually, I'm assuming what they did was, and they were up against it anyways, timing. They were like, just fucking do your gotcha, was it gotcha bomb or something like that? Just do yeah. your chokeslam powerbomb thing and take it home, which is what happened. Trainers eventually went right. back to the, to the announcer's table. Yeah. Raquel does her finish. One, two, three. That's the end of the night. Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming Zia Lee at least has cracked ribs, broken ribs at worst. Yeah. Um, and the thing was, though, they were so up against it, they didn't tease anything. They just went off the air with Raquel holding the belt up right. in the ring and celebrating. So that's well, why I'm that's the women's division being the biggest question mark because everything right now is pointing to cross Joe, like you mentioned earlier in the show. North American title with Swerve. Everything, I think, is pointing Swerve and Santos Escobar, we would assume. Uh -huh. The tag titles, based on what I saw in NXT, I'm assuming is going towards, hence why I th another reason I think Walter's match got moved, I think they're going towards booking Eichner MSK and Bartel against yeah. MSK. Yeah. Um, the women's tag titles, who gives a fuck? Nobody knows. And then the <laughs> women's title is really... Really, everything the women's division is related to is up in the air right now. Let's just put it that way. Oh, the Cruiserweight title, too. Kushida. And Roderick Strong. That would be my assumption, as long as Roderick meets the 205 
or whatever the fuck the weight limit is, which it's I think he does. I think he's at 200 or 205 on the dot. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah. I mean, we also, it looks like we got uh, Austin Theory breaking off from the way this past week. Yeah, which intrigues me as to what direction they're going. Are they going to continue to work on building him up more in NXT? Or is Vince going to hotshot himself again and say, that motherfucker looks great. He should be on the main roster. Well, I mean, he did it once already. Like, I mean, Austin Theory, is he's a good kid. He's young. He's got an amazing look, even though he looks like a very young, uh, uh, what's his name, O'Donoghue, who was on Star Trek. Oh, like, okay. He looks just fucking like him. Like, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, but I mean, he's, he's, he's a great kid. He's a solid worker. He was able to hang in the PC, like, when they – when they were doing those first few, you know, a couple of months of raw after, uh, after mania, you right. know, in the BC and the empty arena. Um, I right, honestly they had think, it, what was it, him and Garza and, uh, Zelina, him and Garza and Zelina and, uh, and Andrade. Yeah. Right. And, uh, then like, and then when they kicked him out, he was supposed to be one of Seth's new disciples, but then they just pulled him off because that was when there were allegations against him. That were cleared. Right. There were a lot of people that were uh, that that allegations went against, and it's kind of amazing that you know people keep talking about other people, but they don't mention Austin Theory. And I like Austin Theory. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like maybe it's because Austin Theory is not gay. Anyways, I'll leave that alone. Um, but I could see him. You know, having a blow off with Johnny Gargano and showing up on the main roster. I mean, he is, he's like I said, he is a young, fresh face. He's not even what, 24? Mm-hmm. Like, give it to him. He can run with it. Like, you know, there's, there's a lot of good talent in NXT that are gonna need to be bumped up and they just are gonna need to be handled well. Vince is gonna have to learn to get out of his own goddamn way and needs to realize that bringing back 55 and 60 year olds is not the way to go. Like, you can pop the ratings for one week, but ultimately the fans aren't gonna be happy. Exactly. You want want to give a product that they're gonna watch. Be, Be what your competition says that they were gonna be. All we fucking heard from day one of AEW is we're going to build our own stars. We're going to show you what real wrestling is. We're going to show you what the untapped diamonds of the indies are. And all they do is keep signing former WWE guys. They are literally TNA circa 2007. Yeah. And the one thing that I should have brought it up back during the AEW thing, and I just completely forgot, but because it was someone gloating that I saw basically about how AEW drew 1 million viewers again and NXT didn't, why aren't they drawing this and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, we're going to play this fucking game again. Just like, number one, either NXT is a third string brand or they're a viable competitor. You're not allowed to have it both ways. Because your story varies from week to week. Number two, they're still not even sniffing the two flagship brands. Mm-hmm. The moment I was just like, and let's not forget WCW. At least we've heard this verbatim. WCW beat Raw in the ratings eighty-three weeks in a row. 
And at the end, it didn't fucking matter. Vince fucking rallied and fucking beat him again and fucking bought him. So until AEW gets to beating Vince 84 weeks in a row, they will never be a viable contender in my eyes. Okay. And that's going head to head. None of this pussy ass shit of, oh, we run on Wednesday, blah, blah, No, no. You put your fucking money where your mouth is. Fucking put Dynamite on on Monday nights or put Rampage on the same fucking time as SmackDown. Run head to head and see what you do. Until that fucking happens, shut the fuck up. I'm By the way, AEW Rampage debuting, I believe, August 13th. Yeah, Friday the 13th. Real good night for your shit to debut. Any hooser, we now transition to the <laughs> hot list. Yay! Uh, the hot list. We pick a weekly uh, a topic every week. We make a top five list for it. And the topic, I actually brought this up. Yeah. Um, I don't even know why, honestly. It just popped into my head, and I was like, yeah, that sounds all right. Uh, we decided to put lists together of five, our top five wrestlers who should have stayed retired and never wrestled again. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you have any honorable mentions. I'm going to throw out uh, a few on, from mine honorable mentions. Now, I'm going to exclude, just for for shits and giggles, I'm going to exclude Scott Hall and Jake the Snake because they were a, a special case where they were battling addictions and the what? only way they could still feed those addictions before they were willing to give them up were to take dates. So... That's like a right. special case scenario that I don't even want to touch with a 30-foot pole. So and I'm going to leave that alone. To be fair, like I remember like when Jake was do, like getting clean and doing the DDP yoga and he just wanted to be a surprise entrant in the Rumble. And right. then when he talked to Hunter, he was like, they're not going to let me be in the Rumble. He's like, but they're inducting me in the Hall of Fame. And he was like, and he was so much happier with that. Mm -hmm. Um. So a few honorable mentions I had. Um. One was, and some might call this sacrilege given the, the crazy shit she did during the Attitude Era. One for me was Mae Young. Like, yeah, she didn't have to. I mean, she didn't she have to do any of that shit with the Dudleys. She didn't have to do any of that shit. Um, Iron Sheik, he had no business being in that gimmick battle royal at WrestleMania. Oh, uh, like, yeah, Sheiky, Sheiky was in bad shape. He could barely fucking walk at that point. Um, one that I probably would catch shit from from some fans. Triple H should have packed it in after WrestleMania 29 once uh the end of an era Hell in a Cell match. He should have packed or not 29 28. He should have packed it in. Said you know what? That's a good way to go out, and that was it. He shouldn't have done any of this shit with Sting. He shouldn't have done any of this shit at fucking Super Showdown or whatever the fuck it was with with uh. Taker and then tagging with HBK against the Brothers of Destruction. None of that shit should have happened. Hunter just said, you know what? 28's a good way to go out. Now, granted, that would have meant none of the shit between him and Roman and him and Seth. But, like, I don't know. I just feel like it... <sighs> can he still do it? Yes, because he keeps himself in shape. 
but it's just it's just chipping away a little bit here and there at the fucking legacy that he had. Um, and then the last one for me, uh, rest in peace, but Leon Vader. Like, oh uh, yeah, like he he just I I felt like he held on a little too long. But anywho, yeah. Right. Um, do you have any honorable mentions you want to mention real quick? Um, which by the way, I will tell you right now. Um. Ox Baker and Killer Kowalski. Okay, all right. There was there was. A, I understand Ox. I don't know too much about Killer, but I understand the Ox comment. There was an indie in like 2006 in New England where Ox and Killer Kowalski came in and beat these kids for the tag titles. No. Yeah. 2006. Yeah. What the. F- Fuck. Yeah. That's like asking the Wild Samoans to get in the ring and beat the Usos right now. Dude, they still could. You get my point, though. <laughs> Jesus, Mary, and sweet Joseph. Oh, my God. What are we... Uh, I, uh, I want to ask what the promotion was, but at the same time, I don't want to give them any lick of someone. I don't think the promotion exists anymore. Well, thank I God. Was, I think it was like EWA or FRW or something like that. Like, I just remember seeing photos afterwards. And I was like, oh. yeah. like, it was like a, it was like a nice nod, but like, they literally like had a match and then like had to defend them at the next show. And I was like, bruh, it's a bit much. <laughs> What was the space between title defenses? Eight months? Fucking Jesus. That was only like a month. Oh, were they even recovered from the title match? Never mind. Um, all right. I guess. Easy. Easy. All right. So, Mr. Alexander, if you'd like to pop off your number five. So my number five, and I'm pretty sure people would agree with me, um, just because like it's been nothing but a sentimental journey, and the thing is, it's it's most it's mostly because he got into the game so late when he first started, and my, so that would be Goldberg. Like, yeah, you know the whole thing of I came back because I wanted my son to see me win a title. Like, dude, there's the network exists. Like, he could watch you win the WCW title a million fucking times. Like, just because he wasn't there live. Yeah, it's like, it's not it's not our fault that you decided to fucking plant your seed in someone way past fucking being fucking, you know, in your mid-40s. Like, it's it was nice for Vince to accommodate you, but there was no reason. Like, and, and I'm, this isn't even veering on the side of, like, because... I read Jericho's book where he bitched and whined about how the universal title match at Mania was supposed to be him and Kevin Owens until they did the Goldberg thing so it could be Goldberg and Bracker. No, that not, that has nothing to fucking do with it. It's just the fact that Goldberg is fucking 50 and they brought his ass in and he's, he was limited when he was in his prime. So he's even more limited now. Mm-hmm. Oh, agreed. 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 Now uh, you're you're gonna call me an asshole for doing this. I could not. I literally could not separate two guys 
okay. to having one off the list and one on the list. So I have like a 5A and a 5B. That's fine. One, I think you're going to be disgusted with me for saying, but being honest to yourself, you have to agree with me on it. Okay. How many retirements has Terry Funk broken off? I can't apologize no more, Terry Funk. I've done it. I apologize, Terry Funk's 38th fucking retirement. I can't do it no more. I'm sorry, Terry Funk. Oh, like the no, only thing I like, I could, I, I actually remember off the top of my head. I don't remember which. I can't remember which documentary this was from. Beyond the mat, guaranteed. Where they were talking about booking the Terry Funk retirement show in Texas. That was against Bret Hart in like yes, a, and he had fucking he had fucking Dennis Stamp fucking wreck yes, for him. That was yes. beyond the mat. Yeah, like, that was. That was retirement number like four, and that was in yeah, it was in ninety nine. Yeah, like Terry, fucking Jesus, like I'm sorry, I love you, but nobody wants to see you moonsaulting off the top rope. At what is he? Hold on, I have it here. Fucking seventy seven. Like I yeah. like, I mean, given the health issues that are being reported, he's probably not getting in a ring again anytime soon. But like, oh no, no, Terry done. Oh Terry, man, Terry was five A, five B. Um, was just because of how awful I thought this was back in the day. Bob Backlund. No, I will tell you why. But I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about when he came back and faced Brett. I'm talking about like WrestleMania Nine. What the fuck is that match with Razor Ramon? And That's what the fuck is that? Else to give him, but trust and, me, that was. Dude, that was better than having him fucking work the X Division kids in TNA. <sighs> but I will tell you this. I will tell you this from fucking experience. To this day, Bob Backlund will run circles around any fucking young kid. Oh, I get he's a physical specimen. I I, I know that. I like, just... Backlund like, can still work. Backlund can fucking his cardio is he's a he's a fucking cyborg. Like I swear, when they made Cesaro, they got some of Backlund's DNA. I don't know. I mean, again, that was go. just just my opinion. Even at seventy one, he can still go out of you. What? Well, well, obviously he was an all world amateur wrestler like that makes sense he could still stretch somebody but his cart dude there was there was one time they were running running drills at the old assault championship wrestling power station dojo mm -hmm. and bob came in and they started doing hindu squats the only people left standing still doing them after like an hour were jason knight and bob backland that was it everyone else was passed out, puking, like, did crawling on the floor trying to find water. No Jason one. Knight. Yeah, that was, that was before Jason became the, the fat drunk that he is now. I'm ashamed to say he was one of my trainers. Okay. Uh, anyways, let's move on to number four for you. Oh, okay, yes. Number four. I guess maybe an honorable mention I would say would be Jimmy Snuka. I, I yeah, thought of that because yeah. Jimmy, like, because he would you know work indies and be like he cut a promo and he'd just be like, ah, seven, 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 seven. 
Was he another guy that was in that? Was he another guy that was in that gimmick battle royal at WrestleMania too? I don't think so. But like, I remember working at like a, a, a fucking CCW show with him against Matt Striker. Like, he oh, did not look good. And that was like oh eight, and he mm. was still working indies past that. Yikes! Yeah, but yeah, number four, and this is a like this was a big one. Was Dynamite Kid. Mm. Um, and I mean, they they covered this on on the Dark Side of the Ring episode with him when he decided to make that comeback in Japan, and he was skinny and he shaved his head and he was wearing long tights and he just he did not look like Tom Billington anymore. And he ended up getting that was when he ended up getting hurt and in a wheelchair permanently. Like he shouldn't have done it. Right. Yeah. Um. My number four um, was actually a name that I mentioned earlier had zero intentions of of that crossover happening. Um, Bruno San Martino. <sighs> Showdown at Shea with Zabisco should have been it. Him as a wrestler didn't really completely fit the mold Vince Jr. was trending towards when he came back in 84-85. He was trending more towards the entertainment side of things, not so much the sports side of things. Yeah, but Bruno can still go. Like... But it just wasn't a good fit, I didn't think. Like, just a, just a He wasn't a good fit for that product, but Bruno could still go. I mean, that's like debating that Harley Race was past his prime when he showed up in the AWA in 92 when it was wrestling and was wrestling against Zabisco. Like, yeah, that wasn't like the viewpoint they were going for. Who motherfucker could still go? I don't know. I just, I was, I, I, I just felt like. I don't know. I like. I just feel like like there's there's certain things that happen where you just think that's a good ending, and to me to ruin yeah. that good ending, just I don't yeah. know. It just kind of ruins it for me. Kind of like superstar Billy Graham. Yeah. And how he came yeah. back and he changed his look and that he fucked up his shit in that first fucking jobber match. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Poor dude. All right, you're number three. This yeah. is this is where I think there's gonna be a lot of genuine agreement by uh, Joe Random Wrestling fan. By the way, is yeah. from three, two, and one for both of us. Yeah. So number three is Shawn Michaels, and I'm not talking about Shawn Michaels between WrestleMania 14 and fucking 2000, whatever. I'm talking about Saudi Arabian blood money, DX versus Brothers of Destruction, which Shawn was a clusterfuck once Triple H tore his pec, but that's whatever. Right, but still, like. Hunter Torres pack. HBK could barely do his moonsault. Right. Um, Kane looked like shit, and Taker was just in the middle of all of it going, what the fuck am I doing here? Exactly. Like, that. There, you know that whole, you know, there's a price tag on everything, you know, something, some things. You should yeah. hide that price tag. It, 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 it's not in the system. Sorry, it doesn't read the UPC code. Right. Um, number three. Oh, you better agree me on this one, motherfucker. Brother. Oh, Hogan. Yeah. Yes. I I actually, he slipped my mind, but yeah, I agree. But which time? Um. (sighs) Honestly, his whole run 
post WCW, everything after that, I just like Mr. America was hokey and funny as a character. But like, it's did so you really funny. need to put the, for example, did you really have to put the fucking title on him just to turn around and lose to Taker the next month? Um, did you really need the Hogan Vince match with Piper getting involved at WrestleMania? That did you was... really need the Hulkamania tour in 08 where you brought Flair out of retirement? Like, did, did you really need to go into TNA and be a half worker, half corporate guy? Like, see, I, everything, uh... see everything WWE up and up to Mr. America, I really don't have a problem with, but anything post that, anything in TNA, yeah, it shouldn't have been working. No, anything in TNA. No, he shouldn't have been working. You're like fucking. Oh, I'm gonna work with Abyss, brother. Like, no, no, because that was literally after he had, had started having hip surgeries. So I was like, no, dude, no. But yeah, yeah, I get that. That completely slipped my mind when I was thinking about people. I'll be damned. Uh, go ahead with your number two. My number two, and we just kind of mentioned it earlier, but Ric Flair, like. The moment with Sean will live in infamy forever. It was the most perfect retirement setup right. of all time. That was it was so perfect. The way it was executed, the amount of emotion, the post match, them walking back up and crying. Shit, and then, the booking the raw the night after. Right. Yeah, the booking for us beforehand, like exactly. It was just like if you lose a match, you're fired. And then it builds all the way up to that. And just like, and the night after, and everyone just saying goodbye in the ring and everything, like, like the same as when Sean retired a couple of years later. Yeah. But I mean, it was just, you know, it was even more so because this was Rick fucking Flair. This is one of the greatest wrestlers to ever grace the fucking ring. And that he just went, shit, I have alimony and went to TNA. And granted, more power to Rick. For fucking suckering them out of how much money? Yeah. To the point where, like, they were, like, fucking just running up, like, $4,000 bar tabs on their European tours and, like, fucking getting kicked off the bus and shit. But, and he was like, I'm fucking Ric Flair. Like, good on you for that, but there was no reason for him to still be in the ring. And obviously, and his body told him so. That's when he fucking got that really bad fucking case of bursitis and busted a fucking sack. And that's what fucking finished him. Like, dude, you shouldn't have been doing this shit. You could have easily gone there and been an authority figure and not had to take any bumps. But they obviously threw money at you and you said, okay. Now, my number two. Didn't technically retire until the last 18 months. Okay. But there was a moment where it should have happened, didn't and end up not happening. Okay. WrestleMania 33 could have been another perfect retirement moment. But because of, for lack of a better phrase, ego, because I think that's what it really boils down to, Undertaker just wouldn't let it go. Because 30, 30 was what it was. 
He lost the streak. It was probably going to happen if it was going to happen at any point before 33. It was going to happen at 30 because it was Brock. So that was not going to be retirement. Like you could see that was going to lead to a follow up. So I was never thinking of that as a retirement possibility. But 33, after he just came back and beat Bray at 31, um, but him coming in at 33, losing, laying his gear in the middle of the ring, having his moment with Michelle ringside, and then going down through the ramp the way he did and had WrestleMania go off the air with that imagery, that was the perfect moment. But because of one botch that he had in the match where Roman couldn't reverse the tombstone on him, yeah. He let his pride get in the way yeah. and extend him. Now, granted, it led to some pretty cool moments. His Extreme Rules tag match with Roman, very good yeah. moment. Um, the Graveyard match with AJ, that eventually led to a relatively perfect retirement send-off given the way they cinematically did that match. Um, but it also led to some what-the-fuck moments like like you mentioned, the tag team match in Saudi, uh, when Goldberg almost killed him because Goldberg was concussed and almost yeah, threw him on his neck. <laughs> like, yeah, it could have was... prevented potential career fucking shit. And yeah. like, to me, thirty three was the perfect time to go, and he didn't allow himself to have no. that moment be. I sort of agree with you. It's here's my issue, and it's it's always been my issue, and it's it's obviously you can't go back and change the past and everything, and it's it, and it was Taker's decision. I don't understand why Taker has always had this fucking soft spot slash hard on for Brock, because mm -hmm. Taker has literally never pinned Brock. He has always laid down for him, and it's like because like oh I like this kid, blah 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 blah. And so he chose Brock to break the streak. Nobody wanted that to happen. And if you were going to have the streak end, having it end to Roman would have made more sense. Oh, I agree. And then I that agree. entire fold up, yada, yada, boom, there you go. And then retire fucking right off into the sunset. And one could argue part of the reason that 30 was so awkward is because he got fucked up halfway through the match. Right. And you know, so, right. So, so one could, and some people even rumor that, well, that's the reason Brock even want to begin with. No motherfucker. Oh, Taker wanted it to be that way. It just didn't look as good because he got concussed halfway through the match and didn't know what the fuck he was doing the rest of yeah. the day. In fact, he even yeah. has come out and said he remembers nothing from the day of WrestleMania past 3.30 in the afternoon. Right. Like, he right. didn't even know his As own fucking is, name. Right. As it is, like, the Taker documentaries, about, like, the one, I think it was the One Last Ride series, like, it just sits there and he keeps fawning over Brock and then watching AJ, he's like, he reminds me of Sean. I'm like, no! He is nothing like Sean. Sean knows how to fucking sell and have a different match every time he's out there. AJ is not Sean, but this is me. And what am I? Am I, I going to tell Taker differently? Like, 
it's but that's just the fucking way it is and there's nothing that can change it but i i would say that if he hadn't decided to let brock break the streak and held it until dropping this and job to roman and god damn you thought that he i was nuclear on roman the night after then imagine if roman had broken the streak and then it would have it would have made if, imagine if vince had the foresight then to flip roman heel like he got enough heat that next night as it was but it would have been nuclear if it was the streak breaking win. It would literally because I need police guards to get me to the ring and back. Right. Cause because think about this. Roman went out there and created if I remember the timing right, it was roughly an, he created an eight to ten minute segment with five words. Five fucking words this is all he needed. Yeah, no, it was. Yes. Uh, it was he literally went out. He let the crowd do do their thing. He just stood there. He did the right thing and attempted to talk a few times to draw it out of them more. Right. Then finally got the five words out. Mike drop off. Yep. He killed ten minutes of live TV for right. five words. It's right. a, Imagine that, if that, he had it's broken be a record. the streak and they done that. Imagine he had broken the streak, done that, and then they went boom, tribal chief, right from there. Think about where we would be on this day. Like, like the like, to me, that was like the polar opposite moment of 15 years prior. Because if you remember, 15 years prior was Hogan Rock. And the pop Hogan got the night after Mania yep. 18 was yep. absurd. That's essentially the reverse of what was going on with Roman that night, after the night after 33. Yeah. So, I mean, crazy. Yeah. Um, where are we at? Oh, your number one. Go to your number one, sir. My number one, I think it should be fucking obvious. And <laughs> number and it's speaking of number one, number the one number one thing I want to see is or, or, that I, that I want to see. I am sick of hearing people blaming Seth Rollins for this, but I'm sorry. My number one of who should have stayed fucking retired is fucking Sting. I don't care how much money AEW is offering you. You did. They should strap Sting into a chair and do the fucking Ludovico technique and have him watch the last fucking half hour of Dynamite Kid's Dark Side of the Ring on a loop. Because that's what he's looking at. He is looking at being paralyzed in a wheelchair for the rest of his life doing some stupid shit for this trust fund piece of shit, coke addict, white clawed sucking motherfucker and his fucking gang of jagaloons. Like Sting should, and I'm sorry, but Sting should have stayed retired and never come back for that match with Hunter. Let who's alone the, anything after that. What? Who's the, who's the coke addict? Tony Khan. Did I miss that somewhere? It's all cocaine and white claw with that motherfucker, dude. Oh. Okay, sorry. <laughs> We've been on for two, like two forty. So my brain's kind of fried. Yeah. Um, okay. But but yeah, gotcha. he should have, he should have never come back for that fucking match with Hunter because he was already fucking showing signs then, and mm -hmm. I won't even get into how that match made no fucking sense. Right. 
And then it's just like, oh, you're right, because everybody was everybody was imaginary booking Sting Taker for that show. Right, exactly. And it's just like, okay, we didn't get Sting Taker. You know something? You can't always get what you want. So don't fucking. And I I love how to this day side tangent. I love how to this day people are like Sting was suggesting a cinematic match. No, he fucking wasn't. Because there was no such thing as a cinematic match back then. Cinematic matches didn't fucking exist in the form that they are until 2020. Sorry, motherfucker. Mm. I'm not counting shit like the fucking Dustin and the Blacktop Bully in the truck going down Route 66. Not what I was referring to. Or fucking, or fucking, okay, fine, Ultimate Deletion. And shit like that. Oh, I wasn't even thinking of that, but okay. That's not what I was thinking of, though. Basically, oh. I'm, I'm just saying, like, cinematic matches weren't a fucking thing, really, when Sting wanted to face Taker in that three-year period. Oh, at that time, correct, yes. Yeah. That was that was my focal point of that. But yeah, like, and Sting, and it's like, what, what are you doing? You're making a fucking fool of yourself now. Like, you come out was with this... 62? Yeah, come on, you're fucking 62. You come fucking lumbering out to the fucking ring. Like, you're walking all slow. You got the Mick Foley limp. Like, and just like, and you're doing dumb shit like the ghetto kid and play shuffle with fucking Orange Cassidy. And like, you come out in Florida to snow because that makes fucking sense. When was that ever your fucking thing? In, in fucking WCW. That's oh, you didn't know his name was Sting Glacier? Yeah, right? That's what I'm fucking saying. Like, dude, there is no fucking reason for this. If they had hired you to be a trainer, like in the in, in their fucking... In, nightmare in their, factory? In the Nightmare Factory, because God knows they had to take a jab at the Performance Center this week. But, like, if they had hired you to be a trainer for that or a producer for them, Fine. You literally took a role as an in-ring talent. You are fucking. You are fucking rolling the dice every time you go out there, even just to be uh, to be outside the fucking ring. Even just like, a running, because you can't even run in. Like walking. Sorry. Exactly. Like it's a lumbering. I don't care. Like. And I'm in a position where fucking millions of dollars would benefit me fucking greatly. You're supposed to be a man of Jesus and all this shit. How much fucking money do you need? I know you got a ton of fucking money from WWE. You don't need this fucking money. Do the fucking Christian thing and bow the fuck out before you're dead or paralyzed. Okay. Um... Speaking of almost dead and paralyzed, not now, but like could have happened. Leads to my number one. This guy has retired a number of times, and he's finally done, thank God. Um, the perfect moment for him would have been, in his opinion... In his opinion, the perfect moment would have been WrestleMania 22 with Edge. But unfortunately, this gentleman decided to go on uh, and spend three years in TNA after the fact, and then have a couple of matches in WWE after leaving TNA. That would be Mr. McFoley. 
Yeah. Um, like, I would argue the perfect send-off originally was Cactus Jack, Triple H, Hell in a Cell at, what was that, No Way Out in 01? Um, I'm going to say 01. I would say the best send-off would have been the matches he had with Flair. Well, I'm just saying in the original, like, original, because Flair was... I think it was after the shit with... I think it was after the shit with Edge. Or no, it was before the shit with Edge. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, because WrestleMania 2000, he was... Oh, I forgot he was in fucking TNA. Right, because WrestleMania 2000... Oh, okay. Yeah, because what happened was that was his retirement, was No Way Out 2000, and then shit got fucked up. I think I think Austin got hurt or something. So they wound up having the fatal four-way with Hunter, Rock, Big Show, and right, then Linda right. brought back Mick. Yeah. Um, so that fucked up that right away. Uh, then hold on here. Let me get through here because I, I have his wiki pulled up. So give me a second here. So WrestleMania 20 was Return of Rock and Sock Connection. Then he was a color commentator for One Night Stand. Right. And then he was in a storyline with Flair. Correct. Right. Um, although, hold on a second. What? Where's the... Okay. And then 22 was... When the hell was 22? So, WrestleMania 22 would have been, what, 2006? Sounds right, yeah. Okay, so it was after the Edge WrestleMania 22 match that he did this stuff with Flair because yeah. it went oh, to, okay. it went from one night stand in 05 to yeah. eventually the stuff with Edge for WrestleMania 22 and 06. Then they had one night stand 2 where it was fully Edge and Lita against Funk, Dreamer, and Beulah. Oh, yeah. And then the Flair oh, stuff was geez. after that. Oh. Yeah, I know, I know. But that was that's how the timeline went. But ideally... WrestleMania 22, at least in his yeah. words, back for a while, yeah. that was the ideal send-off. Yeah. The flare stuff, I, I'll give you the flare stuff, but like TNA should never happen. Let's just put it that way. TNA should never, ever, ever, ever fucking happen. So that's another fucking thing. Pointing back to my whole, t- like, TNA already did this shit and it didn't fucking work. Look at who TNA had at that fucking time. They had Foley, they had Flair, they had Sting, they had fucking, because they had the Millionaires Club and shit. They had all these fucking names, and it didn't do shit for the ratings. Um, they was, that the time that was, was that the main event Mafia? Um, before During this era, roughly? Uh, yes, that's right, because I'm sorry. Millionaire's Club was WCW. Main event Mafia. You have, you have yes. Nash, you have Angle. Main, um, main event Mafia. The main event Mafia. Main event Mafia, and then Fortune. Yep, and Steiner yeah. was around at, at one point. Right. Steiner, Christian, Booker T, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall. Fuck it. They were all fucking there, and it didn't fucking matter. Even rejects like Tyson Tomko. Oh, God, that's right. Jesus, fuck. He was Christian's right-hand man. Yeah. For a while. Yeah, because you... Yeah, it's just... Oh, Jesus, fuck. Yeah. Now now it really got you brought back there. Yeah, but they had all these fucking people, and it didn't do shit for their fucking ratings. So, Mm -hmm. like... What makes AEW think they have any other fucking like caveat here? Listen, you're not going to get any argument from me. I'm just saying, like, yeah. All right. Well, we somehow gone almost three hours. That's a new record for us. 
Damn. Um, Episode 10, baby. Uh, any parting words of wisdom for the uh, for our social butterflies out there? That uh, my 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 glasses are empty. I'm gonna go sleep now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go go to fucking bed. You've been up for what thirty six hours, basically. Something like that. You crazy motherfucker. All right, you go to sleep. I'm uh, I don't know. I'm gonna go do something. I guess I gotta return a phone call. I know that we've been on so long that. I went I over there return some videotapes. I, I I went over the two hours I told somebody that I was gonna be recording and they called me in the meantime. So I guess I gotta return a phone call. Any hooser. Um that does it for this episode of White Heat, presented by Godzilla Media, sponsored by Mohawk Honda in Scotia Glenville, uh area of upstate New York. I'm Brian Katie. That's JJ Alexander. You know the socials. You know the email. Fuck you if you don't. Go read the description of the podcast. And uh, we'll catch you on the next episode of White Heat. Happy wrestling, everyone. Goodbye. Later.